0: And we're back, Salt of the Streets podcast. This is Saturday, June twenty third, one thirty six p.m. This is episode nineteen,
1: the big one nine. Welcome back, everyone, to the Salt of the Streets podcast, the everyday normal persons podcast, where we bring you social political commentary, weekly news, pop culture, sports, and of course, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We are your hosts. My name is Colin. I'm Donovan. And coming up on this week's show, we are talking all about the immigration crisis down on the southern border. We're going to hit the DOJ Inspector General's report that we mentioned last week about the FBI's handling of the Hillary Clinton email investigation. The It kind of crosses a lot of borders, but we'll get There's into that. a lot that. of stuff that goes into that, yeah. yeah. And then uh, we talking about... Dr. Jordan B. Peterson was in Seattle on Thursday on his 12 Rules for Life tour. Do you do you know what the B stands for? No. Me either. Me neither. We should look it up. <laughs> I bet it's like Benjamin. I hope it's Bartholomew. Bartholomew. Yeah. Just because he's classy as hell. Just seems like he would be fitting. For sure. But before we get <laughs> into <laughs> any of that. <laughs> that's totally fine. Because <laughs> we were there at the event, so we're going to bring you our take on what happened and then all that good stuff all the stuff we went over we're going to dive into some jbp style conversation yeah and so much more but before yeah. we jump into all that just a reminder to head on over to salt at the street social media pages on instagram and facebook give us a like give us a follow wherever you're listening to this on apple itunes soundcloud stitcher whatever jump into the reviews give us a review five stars four stars Honestly, rate us. We don't really care what it is, as long yeah. as it's not bad. I Just mean, if honest. we do bad, I want to know about it. <laughs> but anyways, other than that, we hit our pre-show up. And if you've noticed, last week we haven't talked about our weeks much anymore. It's because we're moving that to the uh, the pre-show. pre-show. need a little incentive to bring people to the pre-show. Yeah. Which is on YouTube. Last week. So jump on the Salt of the Streets YouTube and give us a follow. Hit that little bell for notifications and i believe that concludes all of our legal obligations yeah which is absolutely bullshit we don't no i just is i think so. i stole that from somebody else's podcast well you but better figure uh, that out because we don't want to be thieving nobody <laughs> no uh yeah i'll look into that but anyway <laughs> it's a fun thing to say and so i think well yeah we had a uh just going to get into it. Yeah, right? let's just get into... Oh, yeah, we're going to jump into the uh, immigration, immigration stuff. Yeah. There's a lot to talk about there. Yeah. But it's starting to heat up, so I'm going to take off my hat. Starting to heat up? I thought you meant the political debate, but you're not <laughs> actually in this room. Word. Yeah. So It's um, colder than hell in here this morning, and since we've just been in here for so long now, it's starting to heat up, I think. Yeah. <laughs> to hear that, or I'm just nervous because it's the beginning of the show. It's like, And I still get nervous every time we start a show. <laughs> There's
0: just mad chemistry between us when it comes to working together. heating you know up, baby. Yeah. Not romantically, <laughs> but in a way that we work together.
1: Hey, at least it's not friction
0: creating yeah. that heat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we'll talk about the immigration crisis first. If you have any type of social media at all, Good. and you have almost certainly seen some type of photo of children being detained, in cages and makeshift cages you know in detainment cells and i mean whatever whatever the fuck that you want to call them right they are in makeshift centers a lot of times um where children have been separated from their parents at the border when their parents have been detained uh because the rule is that the law right not the rule is that children cannot be held in a facility like a like a jail facility, anything like it, longer than 20 days, right? So yeah, if their it, parents it, are going to be in there for longer than 20 days, then the sh- children have to be separated and taken somewhere else yeah. to go to.
1: And I think that's a good place to start from here. So let's, what we're talking about is the Flores Agreement. Yeah. Which was actually started. I didn't realize this. I got it pulled up. I was reading through it this morning. The actual Flores Settlement Agreement. Yeah. It was started back in the 80s, I believe. Um, ch- 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 See if I have a date on here. Yeah, I think the NPR podcast just had it as the '80s. That's a good podcast too. It yeah. is a good one. Yeah, this was on the KOW All Things Considered. Works. They interviewed the actual uh, so the, the actual attorney, lawyer, right? Yeah, yeah, the actual lawyer that was tied to the original case. But, anyways, uh, we'll get into the the little history of it, how it started, why it started, and so just to kind of s- set it up to what kind of got the ball rolling on this. Uh, the beginning of the interview starts out with kind of a headline. It says, President Trump has ordered the Justice Department to file a request to modify a court agreement known as the, quote-unquote, Flores Settlement to allow for immigrant families to be detained together at the border. The right. settlement has governed the detention of immigrant children since the mid-80s. So that's when it was first established back then. And the reason
0: that this got this regained notoriety right Mm -hmm. uh it's because the trump administration had taken part of what they call a no tolerance policy right for immigration when it comes to people coming across the border illegally yeah right
1: and so before we get let's just clarify that a little bit yes was it the i mean technically it's the trump administration but this is namely the doj and even more specifically jeff sessions was the one that pushed for this zero tolerance policy is that correct?
0: Um, I'm just assuming because it
1: comes from the DOJ. And I know that
0: he's the one that announced it, but
1: horribly, but I
0: also know that Donald Trump ran, President Trump ran on the idea of a wall and Mexicans being rapists and all this stuff. So I'm hard pressed (laughs) to believe that he wasn't behind it. You know, when he... Did his, his half-defense of it and half-deflection to, you know, this isn't my fucking deal. Like, Congress needs to handle it. I don't have anything to do with this. Like, this isn't me, you know.
1: Which is 100% legitimate, but not really realistic. Yeah. I mean, that's... Well, and in the end, yeah. he
0: ended up... And we'll get to this, but in the end, he ended up putting an executive order out anyway to, to try and change it. So...
1: Yeah. Which... Exactly what he said he couldn't do the whole time is what he ended up doing. So... Yeah. And I have that... Uh, executive order pulled up here we'll go through that later um because the executive order is rather uh it's kind of it doesn't have a whole lot of teeth which is weird it's kind of a strange one to begin with but we'll get into that later so when the no tolerance policy is announced
0: um they uh, the administration ice uh border patrol i mean everybody they start enforcing the the, what the outlines in in the florence agreement right because previously i believe in the bush administration and the obama administration they had just not been enforcing it right because the option really at that point if you don't want to separate the children from their parents based on the law right if you're going to follow the law to the t which you should because it's the law and that's why it's said and if it's fucked up then it needs to be changed right but when the law is written that's what you need to be doing especially if you're the attorney general, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you have to be following the law. But so, the so, option that, that they made was to release people yes. at the border who came with their children instead of detaining them. They just would release them, and that's what Trump President Trump talked about the catch and release policy. Yeah, that that's became, what he was talking about. Yeah, is their... 2013.
1: The, yeah. That's, Interior immigrant enforcement uh yeah in 2018 was a catch and release program. Yeah.
0: And so that's that's when he's talking when he's always been talking about the catch and release program. He's talking about the non-enforcement of the law co- covered under the Flores agreement, the Flores whatever you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that's a lot of information, but that is a roundaboutly what he has been talking about this whole time. Whether or not he he knew the exact like specifics behind it, he knew yeah. that, that you know. He just knew that it happened. Right. and That's what he's been talking about. So when they yep. announced the zero tolerance policy, they started enforcing this law outlined under Flores, and that's what has led to the massive separation of children from their parents when they come across the border.
1: Yeah, and and it should be noted that this Flores agreement, the way it came about, right, we, we may look at it today as having negative implications, negative side effects. Yeah. Um, and that's all how that, uh, that's all, it's solely based in how that uh, rule, I guess, is being uh, fulfilled. It's right. not so much that it is, it's how it's being done, which is yeah. pretty chittily. Um, but originally it had come about because back in in the 80s, there was an unnamed, and this is all from that NPR uh, interview with the actual lawyer. Word. Uh, there was an unnamed Hollywood actor who had a housekeeper uh, who was an illegal immigrant. And it was a female working at this, this person's house. And I'm assuming that that person had, had gone to the act or whatever and, and, and said that her daughter had been detained trying to cross the border so that they could, you know, to be with her mom. Yeah. And so that kind of got the ball going. And this uh, immigration lawyer, whose name I have pulled up here, I should have that ready to go. Carlos Holgain, which is probably not how you pronounce that. But anyways, he took the case, and uh, he ended up suing the federal government, particularly the DOJ, who was—oh, I can't remember who her name was at the time. It'll come to me. That's all right. doesn't matter. Um, but he ended up pushing the case forward because he went down to one of the— Custody facilities where this uh, this woman's daughter Jenny Flores, yeah. which is where the Flores Agreement comes from, where she was being detained, and it was it was pretty gnarly, pretty terrible. And so, m- most of the bones behind the actual Flores Agreement is about the facilities and the, <clears throat> if you will, amenities of these places that yeah. are that these holding facilities where these people go. And it's not so much the fact that they are they have to be you know separated. That goes along, but it's for safety and all that stuff. It's so that they don't go to jail, jail with their parents because it's inhumane and it's unconstitutional to lock up, to detain someone who is not being held with a crime or charged with a crime because they can't because they're minors. And so anyways, very, very long story short. They end up winning the case, and now we have this precedent that you cannot have an unaccompanied or an accompanied minor be detained with their parents while they're going through their legal press for more processing. than 20 days. Yes, for more than 20 days. And so, usually, you don't want them around that system, anyways. Right. You know, because it's so degrading and it's so dehumanizing and all that. You don't want kids exposed to that crap, anyways.
0: Well, and ideally, people wouldn't be held for more than 20 days anyway. You know, the process would be quick. You would be here yeah. and it would be processed. Ideally. You should. I agree. So, yeah. ideally, right. And on that, right, I also heard, and I think. I think it had to be on the regular NPR podcast, right? Um, and they were talking about... They gave an example of one particular immigration court where they were having, like, three people see a judge at one time, right? Who are who were all pleading guilty to, to trying to come across the border illegally and then were going to be deported, right? Mm-hmm. Which... And so on the NPR podcast they were talking about how it was a gross injustice, right? And well, are they really getting their due process if this is how it's being done and like is this how this should be done? And I can understand that to an extent, right? And I don't want this to sound insensitive, right? But if you are not a citizen of, if you are not a citizen of this country, are you Holy like not that they should be treated like shit But are you totally entitled to all of those things laid out in the Constitution like the due process like everything like that? You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, no, I mean I and that is certainly a an argument that is being Tossed around in the place because I think it's technically true But it's it's heartless as hell and it's really hard to maintain that and the
0: only reason I say that is because if they're all pleading guilty right If they're all saying, if they're all accepting anyway and they're all going to be deported, then I don't see a problem with it. Mm -hmm. If two of them are pleading guilty and one person is pleading not guilty and they're still like involving you with that and then you're all just getting sent out anyway, I can see a problem, right? But if you're not gonna, if you're all three gonna plead guilty, you're all three gonna get deported, like what is the harm? And like I said, I don't want this to be fucking insensitive, but what's the harm in having three people in there at one time instead of making that take three times as long? All yeah. for one process that everybody's going to accept and move on with anyway.
1: You're talking about, like, including... Oh, you're just... So, like, almost Instead like of mass. three
0: separate court hearings, one court hearing for three people, and then move on to another court hearing for three people. And that's what I'm saying. As long as they're all going to plead guilty already, like,
1: because mm-hmm. the judge will know that, the attorneys will know that, right? Yeah. So, as long as... It's like, you just have all your ducks in a row, and then yeah. you just get every... It's kind of like a, a, a group swear in for going to the military. Yes. Everybody's there. Everybody's case is exactly the same. And all they got to do, you know, maybe the judge has to bang the gavel. Right. A bunch of times. Exactly. (laughs) And I don't think that that's, and that's why I'm saying not that, because if they're, if you're going to
0: fight it, if you're going to say not guilty, then you deserve to have the trial and all the, whatever, you know, of what you're being accused of. But if you're all, if they're all going to plead guilty, they're all going to accept deportation as a consequence, as it is. Right.
1: And I wonder if that has uh, if that affects due process at all by having that many people,
0: that's what I'm saying. You it know, it sucks.
1: I'm not a constitutional lawyer, so I yeah,
0: don't, <laughs> it's hard to say. And that's that's what I'm saying. You know, I it don't would make
1: sense on a like a just on a common sense basis. Try to get as many people as because that's one of the hardest problems, the hard, hardest things about this immigration problem, the crisis that, if you will, is the fact that there's not a, a an easy answer because I think this is a f- A systemic failure just rearing its ugly head. This is something to show us that currently we have a high volume of asylum seekers, which are trying to do what they can to get into the country. Yeah. You know, every single—I wouldn't say every single one of—but I would imagine the majority of illegal immigrants crossing over the border are actually there to get asylum if they could. Yeah. But once you cross the border, you're now a criminal. You cannot. You forfeit your right to asylum. And the asylum, you know, at the actual ports of entry, which I pulled it up earlier today, and this is also including airports and stuff, but there's like 300 some ports of entry just along the southern border. Yeah. Which I think is crazy. Well, but that also have, includes airports and shit because of international travel and whatnot. But, yeah. So and I don't so know I, how many exactly. So I want
0: to talk about that for a second, not the ports of entry, but when you're talking about illegal immigration, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think that, at least from my point of view, that has. That point is being frustratingly undercovered, right? That when it comes down to it, right, they are coming here illegally. The people who are not seeking asylum, right? The people who are just crossing the border, those people are coming here illegally, Yes, right? And I don't want that, again, I don't want to be fucking insensitive because it's not that I don't see them as people, but you can't just come here the same way that I cannot just go to Europe. I cannot just go to Germany and live there. Yeah. It does not work like that. I cannot just go to Canada. It, I don't I don't get that. That is a serious lack of logical thinking for somebody to... I get that they're still people. I get that. Like, I'm not saying that they're not. But you can't just do what the fuck you want. Because like, we are a nation
1: of laws. Yes. And regardless of whether you... I mean, we have good laws. We have bad laws, obviously. And But regardless, you cannot break the law right. in, a, in a nation of laws. Because without being accountable by the law we have no society and i'm not saying that right that's not me saying
0: that i don't think there needs to be some type of re- reform right because the system is undoubtedly fucked like I, I am not saying that it's not but just the same way that i talked about jeff sessions right the law as it is now is the fucking law yep. like you can't you can't just come here like i said the same example the same way i cannot just go to germany i cannot just go to the uk and just live there I can't just go there and not tell anybody, knock any fucking
1: documentations, knock anybody's permission. You can't do that. I would love to. The world
2: does
0: not work like that.
1: But it doesn't. It doesn't. Because to be a sovereign nation, there are very few rules that you have to follow. And one of them is you have to maintain your borders. And as insensitive as all of this sounds, it's just the fact that the law is the law, and we wouldn't be the United States of America without following the laws that we have. Right, And that... That point, just to pivot off of that a little bit, what I've seen over the last two weeks from House Representatives, from members of the Senate, um, all over the government, has just been virtue signal, virtue signal, virtue signal. When it's their fucking job to fix this shit. When Ted Cruz, last week, Ted Cruz put up a bill in the Senate that... It was kind of an isolated bill. It kind of just focused on the immigration side of uh, specifically like the separated families and stuff like that. It yeah. was very, very targeted. Um, and then good old Chucky Schumer, leader of the Senate Democrats prevented it from ever going to the floor because it didn't have legislation that addressed DACA members in there. Yeah. Just because he couldn't get a, a more omnibus style bill to cover something that I think he just did it because he knew it was a, a deal breaker, but that's we can get into that later because I'm I'm so pissed off at the broke the broken state of the Congress right now, refusing to do anything. Well, and then for one, for one reason or another, but you know we we've had two pieces of legislation get proposed: one from uh, Ted Cruz in the Senate, and which, one from the House, and then one from the House. I that, think and it was that by dot. House Democrats. But it also, I don't think it ever saw the floor either because... Uh,
0: no, because Donald Trump, President Trump said, and this is not the reason, but part of the reason is because President Trump said that he didn't think that the Senate was going to pass it anyway. So it didn't matter yeah. if it passed the House because the Senate wouldn't do it anyway because we don't have 60 votes and you know yeah. we can't get enough Republicans on our side to do whatever, let alone fucking Democrats, right? Yeah. So, And
1: that's a whole nother, like you said, that's like another part of the... Oh, Oops, sorry. It's part it's, of the, the uh, systemic failures all going on That's that's you know equating to this being the problem that it is. Yeah. Every single aspect of this is being overlooked and it's just being pushed down the road trying to make it someone else's problem. Yeah. They tried to put as much pressure on the executive as possible so that he could sign an executive order to you know, it's not going to do anything except it, land back in the it courts. Doesn't, it doesn't.
0: It, right. All it does is set down, like, that he intends for this to be done with the expedition through the government. Like, yeah. that's all that that means. You know, it doesn't. That's like when President Trump first got in office, he signed like a fuckload of executive orders and people lost their shit, Yeah, you know, because they thought, oh, my God, there's all these new laws and all this shit and i don't know how many people i had to tell like this doesn't mean anything Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean anything until until a law is put into place some type of regulation is put into place this doesn't fucking mean anything like this is just something he wants to do exactly
1: i'm gonna pull one line out of here because it's all over the place out of his executive order yeah and it's it's the secretary of homeland security shall to the extent permitted by law and that's throughout the entirety. That is put in there so many times. It references to the law. He is to the just, extent of the law. Yeah, he is just putting in place that, yeah, this is what he would like, but you can only do it to the fullest extent of the law. Yeah. And so hopefully it's one of those things that once the law does get changed, if Congress ever becomes unbroke, which I don't see, but it has a reinforcing statement in it. Well, and I would hate for that to... For this, like you said, the
0: brokenness of the Congress to go on until the midterms are over. You know, because that's that's at the end of this year. Like, that's not until November that the midterms actually happen. Like, yeah. So that's...
1: And I think that's ultimately what we're looking at. That's is. a
0: long time of people to continue to be upset about children being separated from their families because nothing is going to be different until laws is passed. Like I said, the executive yeah. order doesn't actually
1: do anything. And I'm not... You know? I'm not one to just say, the fucking Democrats this, the Democrats no, this. Because no. it's just as, you know, every, well, and there's both also, sides are just as guilty. Well, and
0: like we said, there's people, there's Republicans in the Senate that won't vote yes. There are not enough yes votes because it, there, aren't, there aren't 59 fucking Democrats. Yeah. You know, there's, there's 49.
1: so there's 49 and exactly. 51. And, exactly. and even if you, yeah, I mean, there's always a couple that are on the fence like Susan Collins and mm-hmm. stuff like that. but um, Rand Paul. But it's just, it's never going to go anywhere, and then it would have to go to the House anyways, and it's going right. to die in the House anyways, because things are even worse in the House than they are in the Senate. And that's, I don't know if you listened to the interview with Derek Kilmer when he was on KUOW. I haven't uh, yet. But he,
0: he, that's, it was because it was before the law actually got or the bill actually got proposed in the house, so there were still the two that they that they were considering, mm-hmm. and that's he just kept referencing. He was like the bipartisan bill, the bipartisan bill, the bipartisan bill. Like this is what needs to be done, and we can move forward. Yeah. And then it. That's why I like our congressman.
1: Died, you know, that's who we're talking about, Derek, Derek Kilmer, Kilmer, our district, district congressman. Six. He's a uh, he's a great guy. He's got a D in front of his name, but I don't care or be yeah behind his name wherever had him they put a couple it. times, but. Uh, Two, two no, like, times. Something like that. Yeah, I would never judge him for being a "quote unquote" Democrat. Yeah. I don't agree with some of his <laughs> stuff, but you know, the main things that he's passionate about are like government reform, and I am a hundred percent on that, baby. Yeah, because he—that's what he did
0: before he was a uh, congressman—is mm-hmm. he did like urban development and shit like that.
1: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's um, that's what's bugging me right now is the fact that I I would wager. And I hate to sound cynical about this, but uh, like I said, and I'm not usually one to just say the Democrats this, the Democrats that. But I think in this particular situation, Democrats don't want this situation situation to resolve in a good manner. They don't want uh, at least till after the midterms. Uh, because they want to be able to sit there and shit on the Trump administration, to be able to shit on the Republicans, to make themselves look like they are the you know the heart and soul that's always kind of been their thing anyways. They like to be the heart and soul of yeah. politics, and well, I- it's good for them that this is going on because. If it doesn't get fixed with a majority... Then they'll come up big in the midterms. Yeah. if They have a majority. The Republicans have a majority in the House and the Senate, and they, they own the executive branch. So if they can keep things from happening on the books, it'll show that a Republican Congress in power cannot get anything done. They refuse to get anything done, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And the entire mm-hmm. time, they can sit there and, for lack of a better word, virtue signal over this. That they might talk be kind about, of a conspiracy theory. And they can use
0: but, DACA yes. as an issue that, you know, we've been talking about this this whole time. Mm-hmm. I could see that. And I like, man, that was tough. You didn't give me till the end because I like to, I guess I just like to think more than that, you know. But I can't say that. The leaders of the Democratic Party aren't doing that, you know. I yeah. don't because I don't think that the Democratic Party as a whole is doing that. No, but I can definitely see the leadership of the Democratic Party who are thinking about numbers, who are thinking about stuff like that. So the whips and you know, like you said, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and stuff like that. I can yeah. see how that's something that and they even are our, considering. one of
1: our senators, Patty Murray, because she's the in the number two seat, I think, in the Democratic uh, Senate. Yeah. Um, And she's been very involved. You know, I see on her Twitter game, her her campaign puts just as much virtue signally type stuff on there as anyone else. And it drives me insane because I don't want you to sit there. I don't want a tabloid headline running through your Twitter when it's your job to come up with a policy to fix it. Well, and the tough thing about it is that
0: DACA is a real issue. You know, Mm -hmm. like we've talked about that for a long time. So it's not... It's not an illegitimate thing for them to – I don't think that it's right when Ted Cruz proposes a bill that let's just handle this thing right now so we can move on and talk about everything else later. You know, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that, right? I think that it's wrong for, like you said, for them to tank that because they want to put other stuff in there. When when Ted Cruz really – he's like, listen, I'm just trying to get this done really quick so we can move on to other stuff. Then we can move on to a bigger immigration bill that we can talk about the wall, you know, because – Trump's not going to sign anything that doesn't have the fucking wall in it when it comes to, like, a broad immigration deal. Like, Mm -hmm. if there isn't money for the wall, he's not going to sign it. Yeah. So, I think that that is fucked up. And I think that the worst thing about it is, like I said, that DACA is a legitimate issue to be able to put forward, you know? Mm -hmm. And when you do get called out about it, when you do get called out for virtue signaling, you can be like, no, I'm not doing that. I just care about the dreamers yeah that's what I care about is I care about the dreamers and that's why I keep putting this in here because that's what matters to me is dreamers that's (laughs) not me saying that they don't care about the dreamers because I'm sure that they do absolutely but like I said I can also see how the leadership could be using this as a way to
1: to try and push to which sucks yeah and I should that's a long fucking time that's a long time for this to continue because DACA should have been handled what is that four or five months ago yeah but because there was like they six refused, or seven different yeah. deals that came up, and again, and I don't, I don't remember. I'm going to go. I can't remember going back that far. But from what I got, the majority of the pushback was always from the Democrats because they always had to have their their board, their you know, the border wall funding in there. The Republicans always wanted that in there. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it was going to be a straight veto, no matter what. Right. And it's and so. Yeah, I guess I can blame the Republicans just as much for that situation. But and it, it all—I was going to say—we yeah, talked about that. I wrote a whole
0: fucking piece about that. Yeah. it's the blame is on both sides there, with as many different deals mm-hmm. that were proposed, that were accepted. Even especially that one between Chuck Schumer and President Trump, like over the hamburgers at the White House, they had a deal funding for the border wall. Path to path to citizenship for all the dreamers, plus you know their families and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Plus, we change the system, and figure something out. Yeah, and but it two days later, you know whatever the fuck happened. President yeah. Trump is like,
1: nope, we're not doing it. We're, we're not, not doing fucking it. doing it. So I think it would be a good tactic for the Democrats if they could play into this whole border wall money yeah. and say, okay, well we're going to say that we're going to give you five times the border wall money you want, but with that. I want four times more ports of entry on the border. Oh! And we need to complete, completely reform the asylum process. Obviously, because it it's as backed up as anything else, which is half the reason people are crossing the border illegally to begin with. Because they tried to get asylum, they got denied, and then they say, "Well, I'm not going to go back home because I'll get killed anyway." And boom! So they go anyway. They they test their luck. Yeah. But yeah like I said that's why what makes this such a systemic failure is there's so many different aspects of this Mm -hmm. on the judicial side on the you know the DOJ side through Homeland Security and ICE different people that have to be involved in it and the Congress needs to fucking do something about it but they refuse to do it because the midterms are coming up and they're too busy playing partisan politics yeah and it's been that way for the last I don't know six seven months now nobody's getting anything done it's Every single bill that comes up has to be a giant omnibus bill where everybody gets something that they want. Right. And it has to address the big picture topics. Nobody's willing to get in there and create legislature for a single issue that would fix this one problem. That's because you can't trust anybody else in Congress to, like, if if you're a Republican, I'm a
0: Democrat, and, you know, you're Ted Cruz, you're like, I want to get just this one thing done in immigration, and then as soon as we're done with this, then we'll talk about DACA. I can't trust you enough on the other side of the aisle to know that, you and the rest of your Republicans will actually talk about DACA with me afterwards, you know? Yeah. And that's not, that's not just because the Republicans, quote-unquote, are untrustworthy. Neither of them, they can't trust each other, you know? Yeah. That's, there is no trust in Congress between either of the parties. And a lot of people within the parties that just have different shit focus, the people who are on, in the Republican Party that are, like, furiously pro-Trump, and the people who are separate from Trump but are still in the Republican Party, you know, mm-hmm. that's even within there, there's infighting. That they can get some, oh, they yeah. can get together to pass a, a bill on immigration together, you know. But that's it. I mean, they don't. There's constant infighting in either party. Yeah, and it's it's disgusting. I want to. I mean, I don't want to say this because there's too much money, <laughs> right? Because when you're talking about there is them too being much money. so focused on. The midterms part of that is because there's so much fucking money that goes into it. And oh, yeah. that's, we could talk about that forever. And one day we will talk about that for a long time. But um, the amount of money that is in American politics is disgusting. Yeah. Like, that's and particular that's, In particular, in the campaigning end. Yeah. You know? And that's a huge part of the problem when it's it disgusting. comes to people spending, you know, two years every four years trying to get yourself reelected. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's fucking crazy. It's like, disgusting.
1: And I and I hate talking about stuff like this because there is no answer to it, particularly this immigration crisis on the border. Without systemic changes, yeah, this is going to continue. We may be able to throw a Band-Aid on it and kick the can down the road another year or two. Um, part of what's going on, I think, is we have a bigger influx of um, potential immigrants trying to come up and get into the country. In, yeah. And it it's not always historically this high, but it also has has shown us that our current system is not capable of handling that type of traffic. Yeah, uh, the judicial aspect of it through the immigration courts and the asylum courts is completely backlogged because there's too many people coming in and we don't have enough. I don't know if it's a it's a revenue issue where they can hire more people. Yeah, and that's why I think where they just need a bigger administration or um, yeah, and I I, I don't see how. how Anybody who is, you know, particularly in the Democratic Party, I don't see how anybody could, you know, maybe on the fiscal responsibility side of it. But if you demand that, okay, we'll let you build your stupid fucking wall. Yeah. But you know, you have to put three times as many ports of entry in. And we're, we'll give you money to boost up the ICE staff to take care of it, the border security problem, you know, all that stuff. We can boost it in there. You can have your stupid wall, but now there's a there's a ton more holes in it, and we have a, a better system in place to just take whoever comes in and yeah. deal with them accordingly.
0: Well, and my concern at that point, and sometimes just in general, is the infrastructure of the United States, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is, this is a little bit of a broader like section of this. But when it comes to the amount of people that the United States can actually handle having here, living here, working here, right? Mm -hmm. That's something that I don't know what that number is, but it's something that I consider. It's something I think about because I think it's unreasonable to expect X amount of people to just be able to come through, to be able to immigrate here, legally or illegally, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's unreasonable, I think, to expect however many people as they want to be able to come here because the United States is only so big. Like, it can only handle so much. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because the
1: economy would be affected in a lot of different... If everybody came in... (coughs) Because uh, another aspect of that yeah. is the fact that an asylum seeker is generally going to have to live off of the welfare system for X amount of time before yeah. they can get, uh, you know, And that's fine because that's what you need, right? Like, I don't... But, but,
2: but to, it also... it's
1: already burdened enough. Yeah. And to have a, a massive influx on the welfare state like that would devastate it. And I think that's a very real concern. But even if you... Overlook that aspect and just assume that everybody coming in will take care of themselves, or the welfare state will be funded, you know, to the point that it can handle it. You still have now increase in housing, uh, housing problems because everybody needs a place to live. Yeah. So you're going to need an expansion of housing. Jobs, I think, will create themselves generally. I, I have a, I'm a pretty firm believer that the free market. will— More people that are here, the more people are needed to serve those people. Yes. So there's always a give and take for any new person that comes into the country yeah and so I wouldn't worry too much about that but but you need to get them legally into the system so they can pay into taxes and all that to help support that welfare system that it's going to be heavily burdened yeah um, you know and then of course there'll be a huge boom in like the construction industry when people come in and all that good stuff by the way can I get a timestamp I forgot to get that when we started. Was that for right now. Yeah, just right now. 5536. 55, 5536 money. Um, but I just I mean I could see how that would happen. But I think and this kind of surprised me that I'm taking this stance, but I think our economy and our system could withstand it not looking specifically at the welfare state of course, but just how many whole, people like I think we would be able to cope economically and societally as long as you know, all the people that were coming up were assimilating at a at a reasonable percentage, I guess. Um, but I guess I don't know. Maybe I have a a little bit more faith in the. In, I mean, because you can't the ability just, for everything to come you back. You can't just but. keep
0: adding to the population of the country. And there is a tipping point that only so many people can like fee- feasibly physically live here. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's what I'm talking about. That. Well, are
1: we eventually just going to hit that? Just in birth rate and population growth, without outside immigration, eventually. Okay, but okay. I'm, just, yeah. I'm sure that eventually we would. But that's it's having that extra influx all of a sudden. Yeah, all at and once. I don't
0: think that that's a... I, we talked about it the other day. I think that I, not I, everybody, should be able to have kids. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> if it's people that already fucking live here, mm-hmm. you know that are. If I was yeah. born here do I not have a right to have a baby here if I am intelligent enough to raise my child to not be a fuck when it's an adult like mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying America first so and that begs to a larger question that I feel like has to be asked that is maybe not necessarily my point of view but when it comes to people coming here in asylum and we made this our problem being America right mm-hmm. putting our fucking nose everywhere doing everything in everybody's business all the time we did the shit to ourselves right but I feel like the question has to be asked like how much of this is our responsibility? You know what I'm saying? And as I don't like want a, that to be fucking insensitive or as rude. As a or anything, nation or
1: as a society?
0: Both. Okay, You know what I'm saying? How much of other people's... And like I said, I know we did that to ourselves going to other countries and involving ourselves in other people's shit, right? But when people are coming here and like, well, these are people and we need to be taking them in and they're fleeing this, like, word. But if my first question stands that if the infrastructure of the United States
1: cannot handle it, then how much of that is our responsibility? And I would definitely argue that the infrastructure of the United States already has. A, I mean, it's already two decades. What behind. I'm saying. What I'm fucking yeah. saying. Like, and it, it comes down to a like a matter of heart and soul versus logistical realism. Can we actually do that? I mean, we can all want to. I want everybody to come to America, and I want everybody to be happy here and to contribute and be a better—and make the world a better place. But but not if
0: it starts to take away from your lifestyle or the quality of
1: your life. Yes, and not if it puts the nation and our society at whole at risk. Yeah. And I think there is a massive failure on the border, the southern border particularly, in— Streamlining that process to yeah. something that would work. And I'm not talking about
0: safety, just to be very clear, right? I'm not talking about people coming here and being fucking rapists and murders and shit. Like, that's not no, my no, no, concern, no, no, no. right? When we talk about safety and the well being of the country, like, that's yeah, not yeah. the concern Overall, like, right
1: all. Right. The health of the system as a whole. That's what I'm talking I know that Mexicans health, are yeah. not rapists. Yeah, I, I know that we know that is that. not the case.
0: I, some, I'm sure some Mexican people have raped other people. but Just like everyone just else. Just like everywhere else. But you know, Mexican people are not all rapists. Thank no. you, Grandma and Dad. We are not all rapists. <laughs> but, um, I don't know. I just think that, like I so said, maybe that's, I'm sure that, not maybe, I'm sure that some people will think that that's insensitive, you know? And I also understand, like I said, that We did that partially to ourselves as a nation Mm -hmm. by being involved in so many other countries around the world. You know, I think that's an aspect of it. That that right, part of it. Right, that's what I'm saying. Part of it is our own fault that we have set the precedent that, well, don't worry, America will handle it. Daddy will come and we'll handle it, and you know we'll fucking figure Mm -hmm. it out. And but now we're at a point where, at least you know, a third of the country that supports Donald Trump, has forty two percent or whatever his latest approval rating, so forty two (laughs) percent of the country is concerned. Of their their life and their well-being being imposed upon, you know, however unreasonable that is. You know, from the people that think that it's because rapists are going to come here to the people who are like us that just also support Donald Trump that are concerned about the tipping point of when my life starts to get impeded. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and maybe that's fucking selfish. And but- I think
1: because you're, you're bringing up a point that I, I, I try not to think about it a lot. You know and what it's I'm saying? it's the uh, the Thanos cure is I just think that said that last week yeah the Thanos cure which is basically all these problems would be taken care of if there was There's half less the fucking people. people on the planet but I mean you can't say that obviously but I think that does speak to the fact that our current system is so far outdated to deal with the amount of people that we have already just on the planet yeah you know. Yeah, but I mean, God, there's way there's so many people. Yeah. And it's just gonna keep growing. It's scary. Um, which side note, do you see that uh, the white birth rate in America actually went down for the first time? I did. Yeah. I did see there that there was more white deaths than there were white births, whatever yeah. that really means. Um, how that really could if you look at like interracial marriages and stuff, because I'm happy to say I'm part of an interracial marriage. Um, oh my God! Yeah, isn't that crazy? <laughs> <laughs> never thought about that before, no, did you? I don't see in
0: color cone. Yeah, I'm me neither. That's I why don't, I'm I don't see in that's color. A, I that's see a different deal. I, I did see know all the shoes colors. from South America. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> I just but, never uh, really thought about it like that. Well, yeah,
1: it's it's funny because she's got so much Spanish blood in her. Yeah, um, you know, a lot of the the people with Spanish blood can have very light skin pigmentation. She's more of an olive tone than and, yeah. Uh, than and like when a I brown. work outside. I got a nice base town going out. So, like, currently, my wife from South America is whiter than I am. I think that's absolutely hilarious. But I don't know if that, that has to factor in there somewhere to whatever they're classifying as the quote-unquote white birth rate compared to white death rate. Yeah. Um, because what is it? It's like 2036 or 2048 or whatever world. Yeah, sometime in 2040 where uh, yeah. like white, white people won't will not be the, be the majority anymore. Yeah. But I think that's, again... The problem with all this crap is that it is, it's really showing that, it's really showing the cracks in our national foundation. Yeah. And because, yes, this was hundreds of years ago that these documents were written up and these rules were put in place and i don't think that they ever would have planned on the the population of the united states being what it is today the population of the globe being what it is today or even america being the
0: best country you know feasibly the best country on the planet you know because we know, are 100% i don't think that they thought about that you know because at the time america even coming into power wasn't going to coming into creation wasn't going to be a global power you know it wasn't until world war one world war two we were like solid fucking global power like dominant you know
1: so i mean we were just the 18 year old kids that wanted to move out of their parents house and start making it on their own exactly so i don't even know that they considered that people would like
0: want to come here in droves like they do now, you know, yeah. or that there would be this many nations in existence in the world. Because at that time, I mean, the number was, what well, you know, half of what it is now. I mean, it was crazy, you know, mm-hmm. it's yeah, in, the, in the 1700s. I mean, the <laughs> amount of countries that were on the planet are nothing to what it is now. I mean, can
2: you imagine?
0: Yeah. Most of it's under British rule, you know, and Spanish rule and shit yeah. like that. I mean, it's, you know,
1: the great British empire. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, China was a completely different place.
0: That's what I'm saying. Like it's there's, and that that can be said for most things that come into discussion. You yeah. know that it's no
1: one could have ever foreseen like Russia becoming the insane right. power that it was. Nobody could have seen China exploding the way it did. You well, know, a lot of the westernized nations. I mean, look at the the power hub that is South Africa. Still, yeah, that was just a you know that was a colony of the british and it would have never i don't think they would have ever had expectations for right. what it turned into i mean you could say that with most of the british empire yeah. that fell apart um, india and shit like yeah there. i mean the french uh, in like places like vietnam and stuff when they were i think there were the french colonies and stuff like that some of that old french architecture is still around but most of the only stuff that <laughs> remains from them is like in the food like in the uh those you ever go to like a Thai restaurant or a Vietnamese place and get a one of those sandwiches with the the roasted pork and all the cabbage in it and stuff like that it's on a, comes in a baguette Oh that's yeah, funny. That's <clears throat> from the French. That's which, really funny. Thank you for that France because I don't have a whole lot to thank you for. <laughs> and I thank you for your bread and your cheese and your wine. But that's about it. <laughs> that's funny. And Canada. I like Canada. Yeah, for the most part. So, but, but yeah, that's, I don't know what, to, I mean, there's no good ending spot for this. No. Which is so, tough because, like I said, without full systemic changes, reforms, if you will, shit ain't going to go away. You yeah. could put a Band-Aid on it, but all you're going to do is kick the can down the road again, but without comprehensive immigration reform, which right. is a fun topic. You have to
0: do
2: it.
1: You have to do it because the it. system is not meant to handle the influx of people that it that it has the way that it's currently written mm-hmm. now. Yeah, Donald Trump posted this uh, stupid video on Twitter. It was a clip thing going back to President Clinton, President Bush, President uh, Obama. Um, Secret- I think it was Hillary Clinton when she was Secretary of State, maybe, or even uh, maybe when she was First Lady. I don't know. But they were all talking about how illegal immigration is a massive problem. We got to yeah. fix it. Blah blah blah. It's we've been talking about this for decades, and nothing it's has been, been a long fixed. Long time. And so all this stuff is coming to a head. I think you could say that with a lot of these different hot button political issues up now. Yeah. It's all stuff that we've been kicking down the road now our parents and their generation and our grandparents. And now like we're reaping the whirlwind. And it's up to us to try to figure it out. We got to put pressure on, you know, the pundits in place to to actually quit playing these fucking games and actually Get do your done. fucking job. Yeah. And I'm officially fired up. I agree. So, um,
0: we'll end this topic right there. Yeah. Uh, let us know, obviously, I mean, that was a big one. Uh, so let us know what you guys think about that. You know, if there's anything that you feel like we didn't cover or um, if you feel differently than we did, you know, I mean, if you yeah. disagree with anything that we said or agree with anything that we said, just let us know. You know, tweet at us, fucking send us a comment on, uh, on the website or on SoundCloud. Let us know. Anything at all in the comments on, uh, you know, the reviews on, on YouTube or, or on... Uh, Excuse me yeah. Apple iTunes that's what I'm talking about.
1: You can hit so. us up anywhere, anywhere, and anytime. This is again, it's a point to to just it's a dead horse to beat, I should say. This isn't just me and Don have a conversation. Right. This is this is supposed to be us starting the conversation. And then we want input from you, the listeners. We want you know, I want Georgia, the waitress from the Oak Table, to tell me what you think about immigration. What do you think about the points that we raised? Do you have any other points? You know, yeah. all you people out there, tell us what you think. Cause we're not gonna figure any of this shit out alone. You there no two people out there, no Joe Rogan, no. You know, maybe Jordan Peterson, but nobody else. I mean, there's no one, you know, political pundit out there. There's no one commentator that's going to have the answers to all this stuff. And it's up to us to really figure it out so that we can put pressure on our representatives to make the changes that we demand. It's our government. It's run by the people for the people. So we need to be the people that get involved and voice our concerns. And then hold those we elect that we pay out of pocket through our taxes. We need to hold them accountable for making the changes that we demand. As long as it's constitutional and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, soapbox. I'm stepping down. I'm stepping down. So, uh,
0: yeah. that's. I agree. I think that's a good way to put that. Um, it was an impassioned ranting. <laughs> uh, so now we can talk about the inspector general. Yeah. Report. Um, that we had talked about a little
1: bit last week so before we jump into that let yes. me ask you this looking at because this was a story that really broke not uh, not last week because you're getting this on monday but the week before that mm-hmm. and we just it was so big it had basically come out on our friday it was 500 some page report that there was no way we were going to get through so we barely even scratched the surface i'm just mentioning it um but I was kind of expecting some more fallout than what we got. Surrounding it? Yeah. I mean, it was really big for about a day or two. And then I think the biggest thing that I saw come out of it right now is um, there was another investigation opened, I believe. Maybe not. Maybe I'm just making, spreading fake news. Uh, But uh, what was his name? Peter Strzok, one of the guys involved in that, got... Uh, the FBI yeah, he, the agent? Was, yeah, the FBI agent, which we'll explain more in. But yeah. he had... I think he got kicked out of the FBI or something. He was escorted out of the building. But that's the only kind of fallout I've seen from this. I haven't... Well, I don't think that... I don't think there's any fallout because nothing really happened. Yeah. You know? I mean, like, it was a report that,
0: like we said, even just kind of confirmed shit that you and I had said. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, that... James Comey made a lot of big fucking mistakes and did a lot of shit that was really inappropriate, but didn't break the law and doesn't look like he lied about anything and doesn't look like he did anything fucking sus, you know, just did some stupid shit that yeah. I don't know why he did it, you know, that's who knows, but yeah. it all things s- that he should have been fired for and hey, he and got then fired. eventually was fired. So, yep. um, I don't know, you know, that's I, I just don't think that in the, to us it's a big deal and it's something that should be covered. Um, it's certainly by us, like I said, because I feel proud that it's shit that we kind of had called, you know, and then yeah. it is confirmed finally when the report comes out. So the first time we talked about this was, I think when, maybe when Drew was here. Um, I feel, and, yeah. And we kind of broke down like the situation between... James Comey and uh, the tarmac meeting between Loretta Lynch and Bill Clinton, mm-hmm. right? So we can start there that... yeah, just so, Give us a little backstory. Yes. So, the IG, the Inspector General is what IG stands for. Previously right? on
1: Salt of the Streets podcast. Yeah, we <laughs> talked
0: about that last week. The Inspector General kind of does the internal investigations within the government and the Department of Justice and stuff like that. Uh, so, the Inspector General had an investigation going on Looking into the investigation into Hillary Clinton's emails. Yes. So, when Hillary Clinton was doing all that sus-ass shit with her emails, the FBI was investigating it. And so, the head of that investigation was Loretta Lynch. Yes.
1: She was the current attorney general General for the Obama administration.
0: And at the time that she's the head of the investigation, like getting really close towards the end of it, um, she has this suspicious-ass meeting with Bill Clinton... On the tarmac between their private jets, where they talk about who knows what the fuck they talked about, but inappropriate because they were alone and Loretta Lynch was investigating Bill Clinton's wife. Yeah, extremely,
1: Um, extremely inappropriate. Super fucking inappropriate,
0: right? Absolutely. So, according to James Comey, because that's the story that we have to go with, the official story, Mm -hmm. the James Comey story, um, is that he finds out about this. And then, in an attempt to save the reputation of the Department of Justice, decides to take it on to himself to announce the conclusion of the Hillary Clinton investigation, which is not his fucking job. Not at all. It's not at all his responsibility. He should have nothing to do with that announcement. He just does the investigating because he's the, he was the head of the FBI at the time, right? Yep. So, it was a really weird press conference that they did and like i said it was really inappropriate and so he announced that they were ending the investigation into hillary clinton and they did not find they were not going to file any charges but she acted super negligibly and made a lot of mistakes and was super act very inappropriately with the servers in her home um
1: yeah it was the for lack of a better word, charges that they found. uh, Yeah. That she blatantly violated all of these different aspects of, you know, government information security systems. Code of conduct. Yeah, because of my military background and my, you know, working for the federal government as long as I did. I know what those are. We have to go through vigorous training every single year, sometimes multiple times a year, on what you can and can't do with information security systems. Yeah. And you cannot have a private email server running in your basement that you run, you know, Classified business. Classified information yeah. through. Yeah, any official business cannot be run through there. Which is exactly what she did. Yeah, and any normal person who would have done, anybody that would have done it more than like two or three times from, say, like a, a personal email address, like you would have gotten kicked out. You would have been fired from the federal government, period. Yeah. Game over. You get like one shot, and it's like, well, okay, don't do that again. We're pulling your access for a week. It's like, okay, well, now you can't have access for 30 days. And on the third one, sorry, you're gone. We got to separate you. And for him to say that they have chosen not to press charges was a huge red flag for me. But I guess that's beside the point. But yeah, he did come out, and it was uh, ooh, it was October.
2: When well, because they, what was I, that? and
0: I understand, before we move on, because okay. I understand that you say that that's a red flag, but in the articles that I had read about it, in the inspector general report, they also looked into that decision and said that that was the correct decision. Okay. Like that, that that was the right thing to do, that I think that the deal is that, um, she didn't break any laws- but did some really inappropriate shit that was maybe breaking regulations within the government. Yeah. But aren't actual laws. And so that's yeah. why they're not yeah, pressing yeah, 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 yeah. charges, right? So, like you said, sus as fuck. And there's no reason to trust her. Broke the rule. Didn't break the law. Exactly. Boom. And so I think that's the problem. Because, like I said, from what I read, the inspector general looked at that decision and said that was the right decision to
1: make. Yeah. Um, but and it just... In she the just statement... is a fuck. I forgot I had written this down. But in the um they had based... Uh, based on precedent, Hillary Clinton would have had to demonstrate a state of mind that was, quote, so gross that's as to is. almost suggest deliberate intention. Which... And uh, we did not get there. And I
0: don't know... I agree with you. I don't know how you don't, because I don't know how you set up a private server in your home unintentionally, but...
1: A lot of money involved in that. Yeah, so... A lot of logistics. But, I,
0: you know, okay. we don't work for the fucking government. But... Yeah. Um, so then after... you, As you are saying, after that decision James Comey says that then they reopened the investigation into Hillary Clinton right Which, yeah. because and
1: he publicly announced that
0: yeah and again according to James Comey they did that because he didn't he assumed that she was going to win right he yeah. and i guess a lot of the people in the government were operating under the pretense that Hillary Clinton was going to win the election and so he wanted to again in his own words he wanted to Legitimize the win that he theorized she was going to have.
1: Yeah, I think his exact words, were he wanted to protect the legitimacy That's of the is. presidency. That's what it is. He didn't because his worst fear in his in his mind in his words his worst fear was Hillary Clinton gets elected, and then all of a sudden there's this massive investigation into her uh you know her conduct with the emails and all that good stuff oh, me, sir. Boop, boop. was it beer time yep i beer. like beer time i definitely still good on my i've turned into a sipper on the podcast now and so part of the investigation which we'll get into um is what happened between that time frame when they closed the investigation and then they reopened the investigation And that was they reopened the investigation due to the fact that, um, oh, what was he at the time? Anthony Weiner. What was his official office? I can't remember. But Anthony Weiner, who was tied into New York politics. I think he was on the federal level as well. Senator, representative, I couldn't even tell you. I'm not going to spread misinformation. But we all know who Anthony Weiner is. Uh, He's the one who I'm pretty sure went to jail for. Weiner's Weiner. Yeah, Weiner's Weiner. He was sexting with some underage um, girls. Good for him. Terrible person. Uh, But part of the the issue with uh, in regards to the IG report was they looked into that time period between when they found Anthony Weiner's laptop. You know when they got the the search warrant to grab it because it would have it had up to oh how many emails was it? (laughs) You need me to open your beer? Oh yeah, I'll have Uh, to learn that one. It's the wedding ring beer opener, bro. Yeah, um, um, you just have to, to, yeah, right have, a, have to have a little loose wedding ring. Yeah, just a little loose. But anyways, the time frame there was a month. It was let's see here, Hillary Clinton's emails, the Anthony Weiner case, agent. So the agent that was on the Anthony Weiner case spotted Hillary Clinton's emails on September 26, two thousand sixteen, and informed the New York field office. <coughs> excuse me. On September 28th. So that was on the 26th, found it, and then reported it two days later. And it took until October 25th to start its investigation again. So that's when Comey had come out and said they're reopening the case again. So what happened between that month at the FBI? Yeah. And in the IG report, we talked a little bit, I think, last week about uh, Peter Strzok's involvement. And he was part of—he was on the, the team— that is known as the midyear team, the FBI midyear team, which is the the team that was looking into that case. Yes. Before and, we continue, Anthony yes.
0: Weiner was um, a Democratic congressman who represented New York's ninth congressional district. Okay, he was congressman. Yep.
1: He's a goofy, goofy looking dude.
0: Yep, the ninth district from the ninth district, of New York. Sorry. Continue. Yeah.
1: And he's yeah, he's so tied up in this thing. It's indirectly. It's not even funny. But it took him over a month to actually look back into that investigation. And since Peter Strzok was part of the the leadership, I guess, in the, the mid-year team, a lot of the focus of that IG investigation focused on him and the the conduct of the agents on the mid-year team. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if – I think we had talked about it a while back, but there was some – during this investigation that went down, it it was part of the Mueller probe, and then uh, when Mueller found it, they handed it off to back to the FBI because it didn't directly relate to the Russia story. Um, but they started looking into the text messages and potential bias of of the FBI of the FBI agents, the FBI agents yeah. particularly on that mid-year team, and that I think is very important to remember because there's a lot of if you if you listen to you know President Trump or. You know, a lot of his his cronies that are really tight in his administration, they just like to just shit all over the FBI in general. And I think it's very important to remember that this is is a case of seemingly, you know, seemingly political bias happening on a specific team, not so much the FBI in general.
0: Yeah. And I think that it is fair to say and then up to everybody to decide how much this matters or whether it matters at all that even though you are an agent of the FBI
1: you're allowed to do that you're just uh, not allowed to publicly act or uh, right you let, can't that act on them. Yeah, let that influence yeah
0: let that influence your actions in the department right so yeah. that's it that, needs to be stated you know that you are definitely allowed to have your own political affiliations and choices
1: when you work for you know most of the time mm-hmm. sometimes you're not allowed to but so just to get back to that again, cause the hard this is going to be really hard. And I think people understa- need to understand that when we talk about this, we're jumping around kind of left and right and going all over the place on this because this goes back prior to the campaign, Yeah, prior to the 2016 campaign, and then all the way through until basically when the report came out two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And so the, the timeline on this is absolutely Huge. insane. Several and you would, years. Yeah. People, hours, listen to... Commentary guys try to do it a couple times, where they just kind of try to sum everything up to the new thing. But there's so many different angles to this that all carry weight yeah. all the way up to the end. So forgive us. Well, sorry if
0: it's confusing for yeah. anybody.
1: <laughs> it's kind of a tough one to get. But uh, where was I? Oh yeah. So the the gap that one month gap between when they closed the investigation to reopen it, right? Yes. Yeah. If they found it on September 26th and it was reported the 28th, why didn't they immediately jump on it on the action? And in the report, they state that the FBI was so focused on a Comey speech that would fight back against public perception of his July 5th announcement that they were focused on uh, that their focus on their Rustin investigation kind of fell off. They said, quote, Moreover, mm-hmm. given the FBI's extensive resources, the fact that Strzok, a.k.a. Peter Strzok, and several other fbi members of the mid-year team had been assigned to the russian investigation was quote which was quote extremely active during the september october time period was not an excuse for failing to take any action so during that time period the wiener laptop situation should have taken precedent because it was a pre-existing investigation it should have continued on and they should have been able to do that and then I don't know if that would have changed the course of history or not, but the IG report did cite that as basically negligence in carrying out their duties. Part but of the, didn't the they did start the
0: investigation. So, I mean, do you think there's something that they missed because they didn't start the investigation early enough? I no, mean,
1: but it looks sus that you had the information, waited a, a month to bring it up. You know, that much close to the election, and I could
0: see that. But I would also, I would also say that if there's nothing that leads you to believe that they missed anything, or like. That she deleted a bunch of shit in that time because she did ble- delete a bunch of stuff, right, or tried to delete a bunch of stuff. So yeah, there I mean, was like thirty thousand
2: right. That so maybe quite if
0: in that time she deleted stuff that would put her in jail. Then maybe I could see that, but if it doesn't change the outcome, you know, then it's it's another one of those things. Just like what President Trump does, you know, he's talking about no collusion, no fucking, whatever. It just looks us, you know. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't look good. Like, and there's a lot of. Really bad optics in the last two years. You yeah. Know,
1: really bad looking shit. Oh yeah. And the IG report went on to say that uh, given that da- that time period and during that time period, they were particularly concerned about text messages sent um, by Struck to Carter Page that potentially indicated or created an appearance that the investigation Lisa Page. Lisa Page. What did Page. I say? Carter Page. Carter Page. Page. Carter wow. Page worked for the Trump yeah.
0: campaign. Lisa Page is another totally FBI different. agent. No relation. Who worked on the same team together, the mid year team, that's what you're talking about, right? Yes. Yeah. This is and the two the FBI Russia
1: agents team. that got in trouble. Because yeah. the text messages that come up or that came up, you know, in this you know, saying stuff you know, Peter Strzok was saying that uh, you know, we'll stop candidate Trump from being elected. It's like don't worry, it won't happen, blah, 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 blah. She said he's not really gonna win, is he? And
0: then he said, no, that won't happen, we'll stop it.
1: Yeah. And that, do, you know, to the ID's point of view, advice. yeah, and it pointed out bias to show that that might have been <coughs> part of the reason why they came from that part of the investigation, and they said that there was, no, there was absolutely no reason, there was no excuse for them to not act on that evidence. When they it. So that was another thing that pointed towards bias, which is probably why Peter Strzok ended up walking out of the FBI the, uh, last week. And uh, and so he's no longer employed there. Is I that don't correct? think so. I'm not. I'm not 100 sure on the particulars, but I don't think he works there anymore. Decided I wanted to start
0: doing. If we want something that needs to be fact checked, just save fact check. So I hear that on Tuesday.
1: And I oh nice fact check. So, yeah, That'd so be a I'll good look one. into
0: that on Tuesday. Fact check Peter Strzok whether or not he still works at the FBI.
1: Yeah, because yeah, just because he got escorted off the premises doesn't necessarily mean he doesn't work there still. Right, he might just be
0: suspended for a little bit or you yeah. know whatever.
1: Whatever the jam is with that. Do you feel comfortable enough with this that I can get up and use the girls' room? Yeah. I yeah. don't know why. I might have my active bladder this week. I, which is
0: funny because when we went to JBP, I was so impressed like with how infrequently you went to the bathroom and how much
1: I did. And now right. we're here. And I've also, because it's Saturday in the morning, I've had so much coffee. And then I always drink lots like, of water and shit. tons of water with yeah. the coffee. Be right back. Yeah, no problem.
0: So... When it comes to the IG investigation, just kind of in in short summary, right, Um, like I had kind of said to call another, I really feel like a lot of this confirms just shit that we, stuff that we had said before, you know, that when it comes to the the truth factor of James Comey's book and uh, the things that he said and the things that President Trump has said that I don't, this doesn't make me think that James Comey is a liar. This doesn't make me think that the FBI had any type of political intent with what they were doing because this report says that they did not. Excuse me, and I'm more willing to believe uh, an inspector general report that uh, fact checkers. I'll have to look up whether or not the inspector general that's in right now was placed there by Donald Trump, right? Because. If, if they were, then that in itself takes, takes away a whole argument, you know, that they're not part of the quote-unquote deep state that, that people talk about in the Trump administration. Um, this, I think, largely dismantles that idea that there may be people who are in the FBI that don't appreciate Donald Trump's political views, but I don't think that there are people in the FBI and within the, the government that want him taken down and are actively trying to make that happen. You know, and I think that this report largely displays that. Yeah. Um, So
1: it seems like bias was an issue within a particular part of the FBI. But I don't think as a whole, I don't think that would ever hold up because the FBI is so big. And I think most people that work there just want to do a good job and want to try to protect the country. And right. You know, I'm definitely going to give people the benefit of the doubt on that one. Yeah. So, did we kind of, yeah, what else do we want to hit about that? There's so m- <laughs> I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um,
0: again, if anybody has any questions or anything about it, you know, let us know. I know that was a lot of, like, information to take in. Um, but I think that's a little bit, because it's a 500 page report, I think that's a little bit simpler of a breakdown than reading mm-hmm. 500 pages worth of information. Yeah. Um, so.
1: Now, I have a little note in here, which was, yeah. I thought, pretty funny. Um, Huma Abedin. You know who Huma Abedin is? or. Yeah, she was politically how it ties into this that Anthony Weiner's wife or his girlfriend? That was Anthony Weiner's wife at the time. Yeah, his wife. And the... <laughs> Huma Abedin, who was also the vice chairwoman of Hillary Clinton's 2016 yes. campaign for president, yes. who was married to Anthony Weiner, James Comey, the head of the FBI, did not know that until after all of this was done. That they were married? Yeah. And I don't understand how... That could have been, unless he was just historic bad at his job. Especially when you think about looking into a you know, campaign like that, looking into the email system like that, that. Why does that matter? Mm. Because the emails that were on Anthony Weiner's computer, Hillary Clinton's emails, it had to do with the campaign because of being so involved with Abedin. They were using Anthony Weiner's laptop, apparently, some somehow to to you know to correspond back and forth, and to not be able to put those two pieces of the puzzle together mm. until after it was all said and done. Kind of speaks to, I think, why part of the reason why James Comey got fired. If you're just looking at pure negligence, yeah, I think there's a million different reasons why you could have fired Comey.
0: Well, I also. Uh I'm not going to say that it carries no, 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 weight or no, no, anything. No, no, I almost said Devil's Rejects, tidbit. but that's not... Um, what's that? Devil's Advocate, that's right. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Well, Devil's Rejects, but that's not at <laughs> all. That. Um, so, that's a tough movie to Devil's watch. Devil's Advocate, right? James Comey is the head of that investigation because he's the head of the FBI. But yeah. how much of the actual, all of the details does James Comey know, right? No. Because cause realistically he may or may not be doing that much investigating himself. He He's probably just getting reports from people who are doing the investigating, you know? This is very true. So, so it may just yeah. be a detail that it's an interesting wasn't detail. important to him at
1: the time, you yeah. know, because it didn't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would say. may have been. I'm
0: not saying that's the case, but.
1: That I'm would have been more, I think, on the, uh, the mid-year team to make yeah. sure that that conflict of interest was raised when they found it, but it was a. Uh, it was an interesting tidbit a lot of little small effects that have come out through that port port that is just gone. interesting yeah but i think i should write that down when we hit that but we can just maybe yeah we got 245 yeah. 248 uh so we will just start off by saying we went what jordan yes bought us tickets to go yes and my wife hounded me for a long time to go down. and I was like, eh, it's too expensive, too expensive. Didn't want, I didn't want to spend money on it. Oh, so happy that we did. Yeah. It was awesome. It was. I mean, it was just start to finish. We jumped on. I, I got off work. I ran home, changed out real quick. I came to pick you up at your crib, rolled over to the ferry, and we started off eating a ton of food on the ferry. I had They got those Uli sausage on the ferry that are yeah. so
0: good. Yes, yeah, so you had a sauce, and then I brought some pasta and kielbasa that we ate, which was
1: off the chain. Some macadamia fucking cluster things. Did you and get them at Costco? I did get them from Costco. Those are, uh I gotta go to Costco yeah. tomorrow because I might pick up one of those. Lid. Okay. Yeah, did delicious because that's probably at home with me after my trip to Costco tomorrow.
0: Yeah, they're salted caramel macadamia clusters with like dark chocolate on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. They're fucking banging, and they I work. don't. <laughs> I don't eat candy, but I'll eat that candy because Jordan convinced me one time that that didn't count as candy, but. Even though it does, it um, definitely does. So. But it's got dark chocolate. It's healthy, right? <laughs> so, um, so we went to Jordan. So we had those things when we were on the ferry. We got a couple beers because you got to have beers. That's I love. We talked about why I love the beer culture around here. It's, it's just, so yeah because it's such a microbrew culture yeah. on the ferry. There's on the ferry. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> it's that. If you don't live here, because a surprising amount of people don't know what a ferry is. A ferry boat. Like the, the ferry boat that for those of you who live here and think that's really stupid if you have anybody any relatives who've come here from out of town they're so fascinated with the ferry you know what i'm saying that is like interesting people who've never really seen the water or something like that they are just fascinated with the ferry something yeah. that we do all the time it's not a big deal to us but they're just so fascinated with it so on the ferry boat that takes you back. from bainbridge island to seattle so you don't have to drive there um they have beers and stuff like that that you can buy. Yeah, pretty decent food. All yeah. sorts of good stuff. Yeah, yeah. They've got all kinds of stuff on there from packaged stuff to like stuff that cook hot and serve there. Though. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Not bad. Ivers clam chowder. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But, anyways, we're getting aside from that. Yeah, we had a couple beers down a lot. And then just, it was probably like, what, a 10, 12 block walk up to the, the Moore Theater. And uh, for think those about 12 of you, blocks, yeah. Yeah. I think we've talked about who Jordan Peterson is enough on this show, but. Just real quick, he's a clinical psychologist. I also
0: post that blog post about it. Last Absolutely.
1: Week. Reference
2: blog post. So, yeah.
0: Check that out. Post uh, every Thursday. If you want some background on Jordan Peterson, first of all, you should look him up on YouTube. Uh, second of all, I wrote a blog post about him last Thursday that is on the website saltofthestreets.com that is just kind of a general how he came to popularity and kind of what he's doing right now. And just a little bit of like my feelings about him and. Um, you know, obviously why we went to go see him. So. It, was a,
1: it was a very well-written piece, Thank you, very my friend. Much. Clap, so, clap, clap. So now. Absolutely. Get some background on it. But we went and saw him. Uh, another one of our, I guess you'd call him a political commentator, interviewer, uh, comedian, uh, Dave Rubin. Was there. He's been going out on tour with him. Uh, he's currently on a, like I said in the very beginning, he's on a uh, book tour about his uh, latest book, 12, Rose, 12, 12 Rules, for, rules life? for Life, An, an Antidote anecdote to Chaos. To chaos. <laughs> yeah it's a good one it is a great one it's kind of a get your shit together type of i don't want to say self-help book but it it is kind of it, technically it kind and of is
0: just for a lot of stuff when it comes to like having kids and just uh just how to carry yourself and mm-hmm. techniques to just help you deal with you know the organization of your life and stuff it's
1: good just to help you avoid chaos in your life
2: yeah you
0: know
1: is really the goal of that book and i i hate this term but you could probably throw the hashtag adulting On that, yeah, and that's kind of what it's about. Definitely for youth
0: who are who are growing to adults, but also adults who are struggling can benefit from that.
1: Absolutely, and his speaking tour. So this was kind of because his speaking tour, he kind of goes around all these things, and even though it's technically a speaking tour of a book that he put about, um, he uses some of these these lecture times to just think. Out loud and, and think about stuff he's Which he's I got love. going on. Yeah.
0: And that's what his interviews are too. Oh,
1: yeah. We talked about that a little bit. And I, I don't mean to interrupt
0: you, but I think that's important just what you're talking about. No, that, go to town. Um, that's something that when you look up Jordan Peterson, be careful what you find. Because there's a lot of people who he talks to to try and misrepresent his views. Yeah. And especially in like the Vice interview and stuff like that, where they chopped up what he said so bad to skew the yeah. way that it sounded um, that... When he does an interview and has a conversation with somebody, it's like you said he is thinking out loud. His mm-hmm. opinion and his intellect is growing actively
1: as you watch and talk to him. Like yeah. he's so, not, yeah, he's not somebody that where you usually get like the typical talking point spit out and your stance is this yeah. or that. He, you don't get any of that when, when he you poses. To Jordan. Sorry, when he when he poses a question.
0: It's not a question that he knows the answer to. It's like an it's a genuine question that he's come to that he's like, "Well, maybe this is it. You know, mm-hmm. maybe I am wrong. Maybe it is different. Maybe it isn't different. you know,
1: maybe it's this. I don't know, you know, And it's that I think, gets skewed really bad. very the heavily. The majority of news articles and, you know, third party interview videos and stuff like that, they can get pretty dangerous. Uh, the way they're they're skewed and the way they're chopped up and it's pretty Absolutely. disgusting. So I would highly recommend everybody anyone that's interested in learning what this guy's about go to his actual YouTube page, Jordan, Jordan B Peterson. Peterson. <laughs> and he has over <laughs> 300 some hours of his his classroom lectures right on there. If Which you want to go take a full course in psychology, clinical it, psychology, know, yeah, yeah. You can watch all of his videos cuz he, he kind of believes in that uh, if you're a teacher, what should you do? You should teach Teach people. Why should there be a boundary on, on teaching? And I think, uh, well, we'll get into that later. But I think Brett Weinstein kind of has a, a similar, yeah, Weinstein money. I think he has a very similar view on that stuff too, which is why he started his, uh, he's what he's doing with his Patreon, which is pretty cool. But anyways, we get up there, we don't really know what to expect (coughs) because we just know the nature of JBP, and we we know that. We could get a step by step hit 1 through 12 of the rules and a little synopsis on each, but probably not. Yeah. He usually never yeah. gets um, But he had a upcoming debate, which I believe is today. We're on Saturday, the 23rd. Yeah. I think his debate with Sam Harris is today. Is it? I think so. I wasn't in, sure if it was Friday or Saturday. I can't
0: remember. Either way, either yesterday or today. So he, but it doesn't came, matter because you're getting this on Monday. Absolutely, so what <laughs> so happened last week. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, he he used that and he he told us when he started, he's like, "Yeah, I'm going to kind of use that as a, a practice, you know, a practice run." A, yeah. he's going to try to un unfeather some of his ideas, unpack it. Yeah, try to you know, kind of like a dry run almost. And we didn't get that far into it, but. Um, but it was still fucking great. It was great. It, it kind of centered around value systems. Yeah. At least that's what I got Absolutely. out of it. Absolutely, yeah.
0: One of the first things he said, if it's okay if I... Go to town. Um, that I thought was really great. That I've told a lot of people that only some of them have understood, right? That mm. He said that he felt it was important before he saw Sam Harris, that he come up, try and come up with a definition for God, right? And not a religious yeah. definition, but a universal definition of... For anybody on the planet, regardless of your belief system of your value system of anything. It's a universal definition of God, right? Yeah. So anybody who's listening to this, that's how you have to think about it. If you're a devout Catholic or a Jew or anything like that, you it's it's not just about your religion. This is a for for somebody who is who is a total atheist who doesn't believe in any type of God at all. Right? This is for yeah. everybody from that person to you. Which right? is
1: why he's just a quick aside, which is why he's looking to try to iron out some of those those angles because Sam Harris, the guy he will be debating against this week, is a you know, he's a, a, <laughs> a devout atheist. Yeah, he's yeah. a neuroscientist, but he is an atheist and you know, so they tend to have opposing views but kinda end up at very similar places For at the very end. Very different reasons. If they've tried numerous times to have good conversations and it usually turns into two or three hours of just not really getting anywhere. Because yeah. Yeah. Because as you know to have any f- kind of formative conversation in a process, and you have to have a, a foundation of truth off of which to build your conversation off of. Yeah. You have to have a set a, of terms yeah. to base off of. Yeah, you have to have fundamental truths to start. And I remember the first episode of, on Sam's podcast when he, they spent three hours trying to come up with a definition of truth. Yeah. And that's ultimately how we ended up getting to where we're going to be this weekend. Yeah, and it, All this stuff has been happening over probably two years. Um, and so, yeah, he tried to kind of get to the aspect of a god through the the eyes of a value system. Right. So his definition for God was,
0: <coughs> excuse me, God is the highest value in your value system. Yeah. Right. So if you, and that's to for us to make it a little bit easier to understand. So your value system is is like. You know, is that's it? It's, is the things that you value in this world? You know, ranked from from the most to the least. You know, if you care about money overall, that's number one. If you care about family overall, that's number one. You know, so I mean, family, money, work. I mean, that and those are complex ones, but it's it's down to I mean, simple things like say, emotions and you know, yeah. shit like that. Like those are you it's, know,
1: it's your innate values that you may not necessarily know that you have. Yeah, it's it's. Conscious and subconscious. It's what you enact in the real world, in real life, in this point in time and space, which gets you to your point in time and space. Yeah. And yeah. So I think the ultimate. Yeah. I don't even know how you would say that, but your your paramount. I don't even, value mm-hmm. maybe yeah the, your, the most important value that you may or may not know the that pinnacle. you hold can be a symbol um, of God in a kind of secular way, you yeah. know, in a non-religious way. And that's, and that's why like people say like, like God is love, you know, like that's yeah. one that's love.
0: love. Yeah. And that's, you know, to um, that's in, like one of the first things that I thought of when he said that it's just people, how many people I have heard say that, you know, are people that like hold their true lives, you know, mm-hmm. to them, that's what that is. You know, God is love. Love is the highest thing in their value system. You know, to whether that's to be loved by other people or to love other people or, you know, whatever, to just be around it, to whatever that is, you know, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting.
1: And I think it is very, very interesting. And it's, it's something that I'd never really looked at before. How many times in your life have you tried to analyze your perception of the world through your innate or, you know, subconscious value systems? That, you know, the the things that are important to your life that you don't necessarily think about, but that you act on every single day. Yeah. And to to perceive the world around you based off of those systems, you when you kind of step back in retrospect, a lot of it makes a lot of sense. Right. Because you can look at, oh, well, this is, when I really think about it, this is the kind of stuff that I'm, I'm looking to the future. It's what I am. It's my ultimate goals in life, what have you. And so some of the situations you know, some of the choices you make in life that where you may not have necessarily planned on it, you've acted that way to kind of set you another foot further to that goal. Yeah. And that's all based off of your value system. And he was talking about, um, kind of like
0: you're saying, he was talking about like the way that you see the world. Right. Mm -hmm. And, it almost, to me, the easiest way to explain it was he it was he was always talking about almost talking about like a pair of sunglasses. You know, you see the world through a pair of sunglasses that is shaded based on your value system. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, so he was talking about because of that, right? Because of the the sunglasses that you're seeing or that you're seeing through, that will affect when it, when you come to a problem, that will affect the options that even present themselves to you as viable options. Because of the values that you have, right? And that's why you have to talk to other people who have different value systems to be able to see a problem or situation from a different perspective to maybe find a better solution to it than the ones that you have been able to come up with, Mm. right? And I thought that was so fucking interesting, right? That it's like it's vital... That can it just said to me that that connection with other people and that community is absolutely vital. Like a human being cannot survive by itself because it will eventually come to a decision, some type of problem that it cannot solve because of the way that it sees the world. You yeah. know, maybe over time, if the population dropped to just piss nothing, you know, there's a hundred people on the entire planet and they're all spread out except for like couples, you know, because you have to like, mm-hmm. populate yeah, yeah, eventually. I but gotcha. <laughs> um, if you spin it like I, I could. Th- See that maybe you could evolve to a point, you know, where you're accessing more parts of your brain or something like that, or just seeing situations in a fuller perspective. But as humans are now, you know, that community that that sense of like, like, I mean, that's it. That that sense of community
1: community is so vital to well, surviving. Yeah, you know? and I would I would say that that is a product of. Western culture, Western democracy, stuff like that, because it's given us time to think about those things. It, I was talking to somebody about enlightenment values, and oh, it was a, a homeboy on the ferry yeah. that we ran into. Yeah, about like uh, automation and stuff like that. Yeah, and you know, I think automation. that I speak a little bit to this to this topic because the real root of that conversation was kind of based in what would people do if you didn't really have to work anymore? You'd still do things, right? Yeah. Um then what you choose to do after you don't necessarily have to work would be it would present itself through your systems again, what you find you know, what, what you yeah. hold sacred, near and dear to your whatever, whatever. But I think that points to a a an affluent society. The, the effect on an extremely affluent and successful society where survival is no longer a problem. You don't have to find survival. And so, if you go back, like you say, in your little uh, thought experiment world where there's only a hundred people left on the world, yeah, a lot of these types of uh, value systems and stuff that we will will look about and talk about today wouldn't necessarily ever become an issue anymore because your your main values at that point drop back down Shipped to some more of the basic yeah. yeah the base survival. And when you look at something like the Enlightenment and the Renaissance you had a much more uh, you know a healthy population compared to what you had you know 500 years before that so you had a lot more time people had a lot more money you had time to invest in things like paintings and sculptures and art and so there became a new market where people could make a living making paintings as, yeah. as crappy as it was but you still could and so you have an explosion of of the arts in society and it's always a byproduct of of success yeah and i think we will see another one as we go further, and automation becomes more and more of a thing, and, and the universal basic income type of deal maybe starts to come around, maybe, maybe, you know, I, mean, I, don't, I would think that you would have to at a time where people don't have jobs, you know. See, I don't necessarily think that. I think that you might have to, but I think that the nature of work would shift away from manufacturing material things. Yeah, I think you would. Uh, you'd have a huge explosion in uh, the in entertainment industry in art and literature and all these things but because people have to have money to pay for that, right? Yeah. I mean Yeah, but if what you produce has a value, you no longer have to rely on your community, your neighbors, your town, your city, whatever to sell your stuff, you could you could get more attention on the internet, global attention, to the point that you don't necessarily have a job anymore because if you're producing something of worth whether it's a podcast, maybe you're a, a writer and you write stories, you don't have to work with a publisher, you can self publish, and if you get a, a basis of people that are spending five to ten dollars on an item, if you have enough people you can make a living doing that. But I'm saying if
0: I'm saying if everybody's doing that, right, nobody's gonna have any money to give anybody. Because nobody has a job. They're all sitting there trying to make their own way in a group of other people who also don't have money and are trying to make their own way. Like, somebody has to have money to be able to give it to other people. And Uh if the majority or even a large part of the population is in a place where they don't have money, then none of those people can even invest
2: in you.
1: I guess a lot of it would come down to at that, say, at the turning point or at that time period where it becomes paramount to, to go one way or the other. It depends on how the currency is spread throughout the society at that time. Yeah. And then whether or not, say the stereotypical one percent, if they're going to hoard all their money and do all that stuff, then there'll be less for the rest of the population to work with. But that's a problem we have nowadays too. I mean, there's that's what I'm saying. We're talking about. I mean, I I guess we didn't we didn't set this
0: up beforehand, but I I, (laughs) we're talking about right now. You know, if within the next ten years that starts to happen, where a huge swath of the population don't have jobs anymore. That we're still going to be in the same spot where only, you know, three people in the country have more money than f- the bottom 50% of the people mm-hmm. in the country. If the bottom 30% of the country no longer has money because they don't have jobs and we're still in the same spot, like, we'll have to... You have to give them money. There has to be some type of something. Like, either everything has to be free, you know, or cost piss nothing, or you have to be giving people money that they can invest in stuff. Yeah. Because also with that, I... This is a problem I thought with Homeboy's idea about like the Renaissance and stuff like that. You mm-hmm. gotta be educated for shit like that. Oh, yeah. And right now, people true. are not fucking educated. So that's yeah. a problem. Like, they, if you just give a bunch of uneducated people money or time to do nothing, they're just gonna fuck around. Some of them are gonna get educated. A lot of them are not. You know? Yeah. I, that's I, a concern I have with people well, having too much free
1: time and no. You know what I'm saying? No responsibility. If you at all. don't have a driving force to to push yourself farther and to, to go further and further into yeah. success, it, I think that's that's a problem that a lot of people like to look at. I think is it's a flawed argument, but in today's welfare system, uh, we had a case when I when I lived in New York where it was all over the local news where some some lady that lived in a project. Had like twelve or thirteen different kids, had zero contact with any of the the baby daddies. All this yeah. stuff, and she was she was right. all this stuff, and she made a YouTube video complaining that somebody needs to take care of these kids. Somebody she needs more money. She, how long is she supposed to survive about this? And I think that would be the epitome of what like worst case scenario could happen. Right, and I don't, but I don't necessarily think that that's a a. I don't think it's a a problem that would manifest itself on a on a big enough scale that it would be a problem. I think only if people don't have money. You know what I'm
0: saying? That's why I'm saying if people, if you have money, then you're doing shit. You yeah, are and, investing and in I'm, stuff, but in a I'm place where there is no yes. universal basic income and there's been automation of
1: jobs, that's what people are going to do is nothing. They can't do shit. Yeah, you know? I just, maybe I think deep down that when, because I don't think it'll, it'll be fast, which is the scariest part about this. Because when things happen at a at a rate of speed that we've never seen before, you know, our our technical technological advancement is exponential today, and it's not going to slow down anytime soon. No, we went over that like uh, Moore's law. Long- yeah, <clears throat> and but I do think that you'll have industries popped up that didn't necessarily exist beforehand mm-hmm. that will it'll become a different revenue stream. And I think it'll just be a much smaller free market system. I don't think that you'll ever, I don't think we'll ever be in a point where all the jobs go away. People are resourceful. When when an adaptation needs to be made, people adapt. Yeah. That's what we're good at. When opportunity presents itself by responsibility being abdicated, Yeah, Somebody will step in to fill that responsibility, and they capitalize on that, and they will make money. But it's hard to say because it is unknown territory, and that's, and that's why, a lot of people.
0: And I'm not saying I guess 30% is a is a lot, right? But I don't I don't know whatever whatever the amount of the the population is now where their jobs could be automated. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Whatever that number is. So 30% is just what I picked, right? So we can even go with 20 for it to be like a smaller number than that. But I, w- I would say 30. I would go bigger rather than smaller. So, so at that, right, if 30% of those people, again, don't have any money, you know, because there isn't a universal basic income and their jobs have been automated, the welfare system can't support all of those people. So that's no. not a viable option. So something else has to be done, right? Do you mean that... You think that like the that upper echelon of people would then do something to help try and fund that? Because I know that like the example of the universal basic income in California is philanthropically funded. Like, yeah, people put money into that project to give people universal basic yeah, income for we, X amount of time. We had time. talked about that a few. Yeah, episodes that was in ago, the right? thing
1: that I wrote too. Um, so, and I can and just see to be that, clear, but, but, I am not. Saying that I'm against the universal basic income. No, I am just am I. trying to. I'm, I'm going to try to argue that I don't think that we'll necessarily need it on a. I mean, mind you, the whole idea of it is that it's universal and everybody gets it. But I don't think it'll be
0: well, that's just as that
1: necessary as we think it
0: might be. Basic income is really a better way to put it because there's so yeah. many different kinds because it wouldn't be. And that's, I even said that thing, like, it wouldn't be universal because everybody's not going to get it. It would only be a certain amount of people that would get it, similar to how the welfare system now... It I would foresee be who, a
1: tiered system. Exactly. You work your way yeah. out of it, exactly. which is the way you, so, it should be.
0: So I just don't see a way that the country survives with 30% of people not having any money.
1: I don't. It, yeah. And not and having just some to be type clear, of influx into yeah, Like I said, life, you know. I think I just said it a minute ago, but I don't disagree with that at all. And I mean i'm definitely not opposed to it either i think it would be a wonderful experiment to try because i would think you would you would probably see a different version of say like a modern day renaissance because if a lot of people didn't have to work they would have time to pursue passion projects they have and that's where i can you imagine if we didn't have to work we could do this every goddamn day well and that's just where
0: i think the education thing comes in you know Mm -hmm. where first for, for the art certainly i mean not that you don't have to be educated or whatever to be an artist but yeah. you don't necessarily have to be you know but for a lot of shit you have to be educated not formally but in some type of way to do it and if people aren't willing to strive for education you know then yeah.
2: they're gonna yeah, be fucking
0: but, off with money in their hand and that's yeah and I, I i know that i'm like arguing both sides of the fence you know but well,
1: that's my point that's my
0: internal struggle with universal basic income you know is that yeah.
1: Because, yeah, there's obviously always going to be societal dead weight, I yeah. guess you could say. But education, I think, is something I I would love to hit on real quick. I know we're bouncing all over the place here, but that's the that's nature right. of... That's what JBP does to people. In the long run, it doesn't matter exactly what
0: Jordan Peterson said. We'll talk about nope. it more yeah. for a long time. Because so it was a magical moment in our lives. Because value systems is really the base <laughs> of it, you know? And yeah. So. And... I
1: don't want to jack too much of his lecture anyway. No. (laughs) No. But go go back and think about education again, right? Yeah. I think in today's world in 2018, the amount of education you can get, not necessarily an accredited education that'll get you a degree. Right. But if you want to learn how to do something on your car, you want to learn how to do just about anything. How do you think I learned how to edit, you know, the podcast? Yeah, you just I watched YouTube it. You know, and then there's company like Skillshare, and what is the other one? Link or no, it's not LinkedIn. It was a uh, Lynda.com, which is run through LinkedIn. You have all these different private industries now that pop up and teach people skills, whether it's tech skills, STEM skills, whatever you want to call it, yeah. Or hands-on shit like on YouTube, would change my, you know, learning how to change the brakes in your car or the rotors, or what. I mean, you can learn how to do anything. They the opportunities for education in 2018, is it, I think it's still very much in its infancy form, which I think a lot of things in, in this sphere are, anything yeah. to do with the Internet. But I think the nature of education might have to change when you talk about stuff like UBI, because I mean, a lot of it depends on how the, the university system works its way out of this kind of yeah. weird place they're in right now. But I think that could be a whole system like – that we could see 40 years down the road that we may not even recognize. And I don't think it can be understated that the value in an education is not in the piece of paper you get at the end of it. It's in the skills and the knowledge that you walk away from to to bring it back to your value system, which might alter that value system you have. Or it'll help promote that value system you have to get you further to where you want to go. And I don't – you know, we talked earlier about how Jordan Peterson has 300-some-odd hours of his lectures online. And our one of our other favorite people, Brett Weinstein, that just showed up to the show because yeah. he's friends with these people um, – you know, he started to do that stuff after he had his controversy at uh, Evergreen State College, which we covered a couple episodes ago, I think. We did. A while back. It's But it's all over the place. You can, there's Everybody talked about that. All the IDW people talked about that one. But, I mean, the future's going to be interesting. And it's going to be, a lot of it is unknown territory, politically and societally.
0: Yeah. But
1: I'm definitely not, you know, again, I was trying to argue a point that we may not necessarily need UBI universe basic but i think what we'll, we'll have some form of that going forward in the future mm-hmm. you know cuz until philanthropy grows into something that is an everyday thing that happens can't even your local town. can't even pick fucking homelessness in Seattle. Oh. You know what I'm
0: saying? Like, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, how are we going to support 30% of the population with no job? You know what I'm saying? If we can handle whatever the po- homeless population of Seattle is like. And that, I think that's With 30. the richest man on the
1: planet in this fucking city. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And a multiple <clears throat> of them. I mean, you got Jeff Bezos and Mr. Bill Gates. You yeah. know, a number of other people too. Yeah. Seattle's uh, what's a big money name? area. The Seahawks Paul. Uh, Paul Allen. Yep. Yeah, he's ooh, yeah, he's up there. Know what I'm saying? <laughs> no I'm saying. No I'm saying. Yeah. But yeah, if it, it would be we talked about in our, our head tax stuff, but yeah. it would be nice almost to have some kind of forced philanthropy type yeah. of clause, at least in the city or and something like that. But I mean it's all I think societally too, we have to figure out what our value systems are. Because right now we don't know at all. Yeah. I think it, it we're definitely coming apart it seems right now on a societal level. Everybody's we're devolving into, you know, our tribal our big tribal groups, you know, the left and the right and yeah. you know, the few people in the center and then even within those groups there's the the intersectionality of race and gender and all sorts of fucking shit that doesn't matter when we should be worried about the ideas and the like I said, the values of what we want our future democratic society to look like. Mm-hmm. And we can't, if we can't figure out what that looks like, we're just going to be stuck here in the meantime, tearing each other apart. Absolutely. Through identity politics, trying to find out, yeah. trying to, you know, label
0: people as racist and bigots and sexist so that we can lower their opinion to the point that they don't matter so we can, you know, bring yeah. people up to the top. And,
1: and I wonder if <clears throat> something like a, a a universal basic income could help kind of level the playing field a little bit on that. I wonder if that was introduced tomorrow and nobody necessarily had to work. Mm-hmm. You would, because I think you'd see wages skyrocket because yeah. everybody now has an option not to work. But I think, uh I wonder what would happen if that happened like today, if our society would become a little bit less stressed maybe at each other and we wouldn't be as angry. I hope maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's a too optimistic but i'd be interested <clears throat> somehow or other we got down to U- ubi when we started talking about jbp systems man i think it's
0: important i don't. yeah i don't know i think that that's the the good thing about jordan peterson and people like that and that's part of the reason that we started this podcast is to be able to have conversations like this you know this is so, true
1: <clears throat> so i don't think this is a bad thing at all it's almost like we use the weekly news and stuff to ask a seg- it's like how we open the door to getting into talking mm-hmm. about the more the bigger issues. Don't give more- away the secrets often. No, I know. <laughs> <Just kidding.
2: laughs> um,
0: yeah. No, I agree. I think that I think absolutely, you know, because I mm-hmm. think that the things that happen in our society and the things that are covered in our society reflect, like you said, societal values. Mm-hmm. You know? So these are things that are important to people, even maybe not to everybody, but
1: on the whole. You know, they're important to society and that's why this that yeah. shit's being talked about. And it's even if it's not important to this person or that person, that's not the point on yeah. a societal level. It's it's the betterment of society. And right. any one person out there would want the betterment of society to kind of, you know, take the take the right step Next forward. Step. And whether or not you agree with that step or not is that's what the debate is, I guess. You know, as we try to yeah. fix all these topical issues and what do we think about abortion? What do we think about open borders versus no borders? or I don't know. Yeah. Anything. It's all worse than our future. One of the other things I want to talk about, and I think because the original theme, if you could have a theme for that uh, lecture the other night, I think when it comes to Jordan Peterson's take on stories, and like you said, through that, he thinks that you you can get your value system through a non-religious aspect, through the stories that are told throughout those religions. Um, I, can, I think I can even go as far as saying like some of the North Norse mythology. Yeah. Some of, you know, every religion, for lack of a better term, throughout, you know, semi-modern history I've told the same stories they all tell the same stories yeah just with different characters yeah and i different think details that is his entry point into getting into the actual debate with sam yeah and but if he kind of devolves into what he can typically do because he thinks out loud if he devolves into trying to prove every single one of those points you just there's not going to be enough time in the world to do that yeah um but I think it can be done. When you look at a secular... Trying to find a secular reason for why you would have, say, Judeo-Christian values in your society, but strictly want to keep the Judeo-Christian part out of it, every single one of those stories told through, like, the Bible. You know, he has a great... I am not a religious person, but he has a great lecture series about the psychological significance of the biblical stories. Yeah, the ancient stories, specifically. Yeah, and... They, if you watch those, you realize that yeah, you don't have to believe in a god necessarily to pull moral out of that story. And going all the, you know, what did he say that night? The, the brave going into the dragon version. Harry, you know, Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. the <laughs> number like do don't, don't kill me.
0: were a secret dog. Where Harry Potter goes I'm down into me. the basement. <laughs> he didn't know about was here. No,
1: <laughs> but it was great. Yeah,
0: uh, he goes but, down in. Sorry, you were saying. Yeah, he goes
1: down in there and he kills weird. the. The snake that's the down basilisk. there, that, yeah, that's turning basically the other sh- the stone and mm-hmm. all that good stuff. It's a kind of a callback to the Medusa, yeah, and the, you know the snakes and the hair turning the into stone. Snakes. And um, but then he he takes those analogies and then brings it down even farther to a a prey animal and a predator. A prey animal, sees a predator. what does it do? It freezes. You know, yeah. deer on the side of the road freezes. Rabbits in the middle of my driveway. When I take the dogs out, they all just freeze. And I think that's an analogy for turning the stone. and Then you get the snakes on the hair, the basilisk, and Harry Potter. It's always the snake that represents evil and yeah. danger and all that good stuff. And then that could go. You could go all the way back to you know two hundred thousand years ago, humans living in trees and all that, being afraid of snakes Co- and spiders, co-evolving with snakes. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's part of why our vision is as
0: good as it is. Yeah. You know, is because we've co-evolved with snakes, and we had to be able to see them when they were in the jungle. I also thought it was. Interesting he said that. And this is no offense to anybody who have eyes that is not perfectly exactly straightforward, right? This is just like a thing that he said that I thought was
1: super fucking interesting. <coughs> Sarah Sanders. That... <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. No blow. <laughs> no. So Michelle so, Wolf did a good enough job on that. The reason that most
0: people's eyes are, for lack of a better term, like normal, right? Like standard, um, and they have the white around them, and then the colored part, and then like your pupil is so that you can see where people's eyes are because that's what you wanna know. As as somebody who's having to constantly look out for yourself and other people, you wanna know what other people are looking at because you want to know what they're thinking about. You wanna know like what their value is, you know? Yeah. And what the plan is.
1: Yeah. So, what is their value? Yeah. Why are they looking at that instead of looking at you while yeah. you're trying to speak? You wanna know whether or not you're gonna have some type of conflict with them,
0: or whether or not you're gonna be able to work with them and continue forward with whatever uh-huh. happens. You know what I'm saying?
1: So well, that's why it's always been kind of like that when I was growing up, manners, general manners were always you looked who you were talking to in the eye when you talked. Yeah. I have a problem with that. I think so much when I talk, and so my eyes just kind just of move all over, move the all over my face. Oh, you're thinking right now because you're not looking at me anymore, and you're looking around, and you're trying to think. But I think in general, that's a very good point. Uh, On an evolutionary, you know, evolutionary biology aspect, when you look at it from that perspective, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I wouldn't begin to be able to argue against it. Common sense dictates that it makes sense, and I'm not an evolutionary biologist, so I can't. I'll have to ask Brett for that one. Yeah. Cody, curious what he said about what he would think about that. I wouldn't be surprised if they've talked about it before, given his past with evolutionary biology. Yeah evolutionary biology. Mm-hmm. Man, that is a mouthful to say sometimes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there was that, I tried to sneak in that one line that I really pulled out of that uh, that discussion. That, yeah, that opportunity, opportunity responsibility. Yeah, opportunity presents itself when responsibility has been abdicated. I mean, it works in the business world. You know, you're always looking for that niche market that is underserved. You take advantage of that and you're, boom, you're making money. Yeah, and I think that applies to home life. You know, if there's something in your in your home life that you or your wife is kind of looking over, it's going to add up and add up and become a problem until somebody takes responsible responsibility for that, and then starts taking care of business. And then once you do that, you get marriage points because both people can recognize that it's something that needed to be done.
0: Yeah,
1: but but yeah, that's a. with, I mean, we could talk about that kind of stuff forever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's hard to just pull the plug on that. How are we doing for time? We're probably about ready to
0: uh, uh, We can move, move into pop culture now, I think. Yeah. If you want to do that.
1: I got, like, basically nothing for pop culture.
0: No, we're just going to talk about some shit that we did this week. I'm going to talk about Word. The Last of Us again for a while. So Yeah. Because uh, I played that game again a lot this week. Um, so let's move into pop culture. Let's do it. Uh, again, you know, let us know if there's anything that you guys wanted to be covered or, you know, want us to talk about more or just opinions that you had on it. We definitely, like like Offie always says, you know, we want to continue this conversation. And so anything yeah. at all, let us know about it.
1: Jump in the comments. Let us know what you think. And yeah. we'll... Uh, We'll, get the, we'll keep the conversation rolling.
0: All right. Tell me what you consumed this week.
1: Where I consume... Pop culture-wise. Pop culture-wise. Mm-hmm. I'm still on my Parks and Recs binge. So Watched watch a bunch Parks of episodes last night. Yeah. We're getting towards the tail end of it. I think I'm in like the next to last season maybe. I'm not sure. 100%. Um, but no, I used this week kind of a lot of trying to take care of some uh, loose ends that weren't uh, quite done. A lot of work. Stuff like that, getting ready for you know our early week this week. We took Friday off and work, both of us, and uh, so I've been really, really I've been working a lot of late hours, and that means yeah. that, which is I was really glad that we have our notes and talking points last week already handled. Yeah, because trying to be able to do all the research onto that plus real life shit, it's it's it could be hard to balance. But yeah, I didn't watch any movies, although tonight. We have a few that uh, we got from a friend of mine, and we're going to try busting through at least one of those tonight. I'd like to have them all done before next week, so it might be kind of a movie week. Very excited. Yeah. And as you can see, my house is half in shambles and half getting there. She looks good, though. Doing a total rearrangement. I'd say remodel, but it's not a remodel. Yeah. But yeah, getting rid of stuff like TV in the living room. We don't want that anymore. We want the living room to be a kind of a peaceful place where you can come in and sit on the couch and read. Or I can we can sit up on the, we have kind of a joint dinner dining room slash living room area. Sit up there and like this morning I was sipping coffee, working on show notes and yeah. stuff like that. Cranking some classical music that uh, Ben Shapiro suggested on his show this week. Word. Really, really good stuff too. Um, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name of it, but it was an old you know, it's an old classical composer. Dvark, Dvork, something like that. Good stuff. New World Symphony. Word. I don't know if that counts as pop culture. It's like past culture. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's been me. Yeah. Well, I listened to
0: some NWA this week. Um, I also decided that RJ decides me of MC Ren. I forgot to tell him that. Maybe I'll do that right now. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, yeah, so I listened to some NWA this week. I don't know how much NWA you have really
1: listened to. Used to could. Um, Back in high school. I was all over NWA for a while. Yeah. Um, so I listened to a lot of that.
0: <clears throat> I listened to Kendrick Lamar on the way here, which was really nice. Um, I enjoy that. We listened to music on the way home from the ferry the other day. Oh, yeah. that's was good. Um, just some different shit. and to some Tyler on the way home. Uh, Lil Dickie and Chris Brown, which was really funny. I love that um, song. Yeah, so we did that. Um, I We've been watching Game of Thrones, obviously. Um, we're getting close to that because, like I told you, we haven't been like watching it, watching it. You know, We yeah. just kind of let it run and watch it as it happens and whatever. Um,
1: and if you've already I, seen it, that's a good way to do it, I think. Yeah because you, you'll catch the parts that you really, really remember and really like and then kind of skip over some of the BS stuff. <laughs> I agree. I was going to say um, oh, about uh, movies. I did buy, actually my wife bought me a new movie a while back that uh, we've had on DVD for years and years and years. It's an anime movie by uh, Studio Ghibli uh, called Spirited Away. You ever heard of that? Yes. Yeah, Um, but yeah, we've seen the DVD version so much; it's just been destroyed over the years. And so uh, we tried to watch it a couple weeks ago, and it got to a certain point, like maybe an hour into it, and then just skipped, and then just we just couldn't watch it anymore. Really? So she got me the Blu-ray. But she ordered me the Blu-ray, and now we have the Blu-ray, and I'm really excited to watch that. That might happen tonight too. The other list of movies might have to wait. Yeah, um and then so yesterday
0: I after we were done with breakfast, I went mm-hmm. home and Jordan's pregnant so she fucking sleeps all the time. Uh so she took a nap when I got home after we hung out for a little bit and so I just played The Last of Us for nice two solid hours. So which is it's nice, dude. I
1: getting ready for that new one.
0: Yeah, yeah. Really excited for that. I want to be all the way done with this one, have all the weapons all the way upgraded and stuff by the time that the new one comes out because I need to be playing that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and so I did that a lot. I I love that game. It's how you, you need to be getting I know. Game. Yeah. <laughs> no. um, I, I tell you, it starts so with where he has the girl where and he finds out that she's like a, immune to the virus. Um, mm-hmm. And then he goes to... At a part where he goes to meet up with his homeboy named Bill, um, who is this crazy guy, and he goes to—I uh, think they're in Nebraska. I can never decide where they're actually at when this game starts. Mm-hmm. Um, but the town is called Lincoln. But I mean, that's there's, Lincoln, it's Nebraska. Kind of like there's only I'll one Lincoln, that. you know. Yeah. Um, so I think he's in Nebraska. I don't really know, but. So they go to Lincoln and there's, like, all these traps and stuff that's in this town because Bill's, like, the only person that lives there. So he has the whole town booby-trapped when you go there. Smart so, man. Yeah, so you learn a bunch of new shit. Like, you get a shotgun when you go there and a bow and arrow. And you learn how to make, like, a new type of bomb. And um, there's all kinds of stuff. It's It's but- sweet. Do you already have your bone arrow because you're replaying it? Uh, no. When no. you replay it, you have to find all the weapons again. But when you find it, it's like upgraded to the point that it was when you ended the game last Got time. Got it. So, yeah. That's kind of a cool. I like that. I have, I like it a lot, too. That's important to me. The play through, like the continual continuity afterwards is mm-hmm. important to me. You know, how yeah.
1: well the game is going to be
0: after I have. Yes, that,
1: that replay factor. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's, a, yeah, that's a really big thing in, in today's gaming world is what's the replayability right. of a game. Because if you sit there and you fire out, say, God of War as an example, I mean, that story is damn near endless. It seems like you can't quite get to the end. It just keeps going and going and going. But the re- replayability of that game, from what I hear, is pretty fantastic. And yeah. what they're going to do it do with like an expansion type thing is is add on. The ability to replay and just just like Last of Us carry over, have that like upgraded weapon arc still in there, and so like the overall difficulty will rise and keep yeah. it more challenging. But then you're just building on top of what you've already done. Yeah, you see that in a lot in the computer world on the soul computer games and stuff. Because a lot of people, what are you going to do? Play a three hour long story and that's the game? Right? No, you can't do that. That's garbage. It almost seems like in this game that.
0: Parts of it are designed to to get easier as you've played the game more. You know, mm-hmm. like like it's supposed to be really, really fucking difficult the first time you do it, and then the second time it gets a little bit easier, and the third time it's even a little bit easier because not only because you've done it before, but because you you know have a little bit better weapons
1: and shit like that. Yeah, you, you uh, learn the little secrets that helped out. Yeah. Beforehand, and those little secrets don't change. It's almost like uh, you know the puzzle. But the puzzle just gets a little bit more difficult. Right. But now that you've already done the puzzle, this is just a little bit harder.
0: Well, and so, like, there are obviously different types of, like, zombies or whatever. And there are these ones that are... They're called bloaters. They're just giant. They're, like, super-duper tall and um, have been infected for a long time. And so, this stuff, Runs the stuff... Reminds fungus that, dead. The fungus that grows on them has, like, hardened. Um, Ooh. So, it's, like, armor. And so, the first time that you see them you only have one weapon that you can use that works and it's a shotgun um, but after like after you upgrade the like your hunting rifle enough then it has it's like armor piercing and so it'll it then that is effective against um <clears throat> those against the bloaters. Deer. and then like you you know you have those new bombs and shit like that and so it's at one point later in the game, there's three of them in one location, along with like other zombies at the same time, and so it's like you, I don't know, like it's almost like you almost aren't supposed to be able to do it the first time, you yeah. know, until you get later and you have these weapons that are actually effective when you get there. Like it's, it's very interesting. I like so, that. I wonder how much that was considered um, when they were making it, you know?
1: Yeah, or if they were just lucky that they did it that way, or if it was on purpose. Right. But that's nice. That's good. When does the second one come out? You know yet? I do not know. I don't know if they... Because they dropped it at E3, if I remember right. But I don't think... I don't know if they dropped the date yet. Yeah. Like, they did that with the new Elder Scrolls. Let's see they it. They dropped that it's coming, but I got no date. I don't know if there's a 2019, 2020 on there. I would imagine it'll be like a... If it's... It's probably going to be a late 2019 or a 2020 release for elder scrolls anyway Let's see here because they Last got that new fallout out that's coming out which i i was so proud of myself i went to go watch the the trailer for that mm-hmm. when i got home the other night on uh, thursday night friday morning whatever we call that and i was gonna watch it and i was like no nah, that's a dick move wifey hasn't seen it yet i don't think and so i don't want to watch it without her yeah because you know marriage points like i said Marriage is just a game, and it's all—it's a, a point system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to have points. The Last of Us 2 is still in the middle of development. Uh, of so. course it is. But that's all right. Take their time. Their track record. If they didn't put out something that was absolutely perfect, people are going to hate on them.
0: Yeah. Uh, this makes the release window of 2019 seem incredibly unlikely for the game, and some have even speculated that it could potentially be a launch title for the next PlayStation console whenever that eventually launches. That would be weak as shit. (laughs) I would be really fucking angry.
1: (laughs) You want to play that? We'll buy this new $500 console, baby. fuck you, a PlayStation (laughs)
0: 5. My
1: PlayStation 4 is still awesome. I wonder if they're going to keep doing that. Just keep going up the numbers. Oh, of course they are. It's like the iPhone. I have this question. I have an iPhone 8. You have an iPhone 8? Yeah. Carolina's got a 7, I believe. But we're going to... take her down either probably not today anymore but we might go down to the, the verizon store tomorrow but are they going to make an iphone 9 because they did an 8 and a 10 i and think it's 10. x it goes it's back, back I and think forth it's x, x or 10 I don't, yeah. I don't know what it is but, but are they going to do a new iphone 9 oh i'm sure they are um and then are they going to blow past i mean are they gonna have 10 11 this 12? is
0: something that i don't understand about business right about capitalism mm-hmm. is that eventually your company can't grow anymore you know, you have to just expect not growth, but to just maintain. You know? Unless you diversify. I don't understand that. I don't get it. Like, what is the, what is just being constantly unhappy with what you have? Like, always having to have more. Like, why is where you're at? You're a fucking billion and billion dollar
1: company. Why is this not good enough? Like, like why, why do you need to be a trillion dollar? Why company? does Jeff Bezos get up in the morning? Why does he go into work? What is, why, what? I don't know. Because see, at this point, he's got a,
0: a denomination of money that doesn't matter. You yeah. know, after that, after X amount of dollars, whatever that number is, because I never looked it up, fact check, what the fuck is that amount of money? But, yeah. To where Jeff it doesn't Bezos. matter. You know, you make X amount of money, and then however much money you have after that does not matter.
1: Like, yeah. I mean, I, I would say I it's know. probably going back to the value system. It was, I imagine that Jeff Bezos has a, an amount of change he wants to affect on the world, which is why he takes on these different projects, you know, like the new thing that's going on is those, you know, they have that one brick and mortar store, the Amazon go store in Seattle where you can just walk in. I think if you're a prime member, walk in grab stuff and walk out and then they just charge you. Boom, done. And I would imagine he probably wants to diversify that more and more. And that's probably why he, Amazon went ahead and bought like Whole Foods and stuff like that, right? And so maybe he just has a dream that is hasn't been realized yet, or he, you know, every now and again he sees an opportunity that needs to be filled somewhere that he can take advantage of, and he just wants to continue to be the guy to do that. Whereas you get somebody like Elon Musk that does that, but he does it more on a philanthropic level. He he handles big things that are kind of they feel like pet projects to him. Like the tunnel system in LA? He did yeah. that because he hits LA traffic. Why but he started to go moon, like into space, I don't know. But at what I do understand what you're trying to say. The whole what makes somebody what's the, the corporate model of always having to have growth? Where does that come from and why can you never just plateau and just be where you're at? Right. Why does AT and T need to absorb Time Warner? To diversify and to become even bigger. I don't, yeah. Why? I don't know. Maybe it's because we're not a part of that corporate machine. I, guess. I don't get it. That's I It's not, like not to my think. value system.
0: Yeah. It's because it's not. Because to me, that it can't be money. You know, when it comes to like uh, Jeff Bezos, it can't be money because once you reach that threshold, it doesn't matter anymore. Money does not matter. So it, was, it has to money be. Money does not matter just to him money anymore. Or, it has to be power, you know, because, because it can't be. I truly think, it, or I, my opinion, right, is that it can't be philanthropy and wanting the best for people because he's not looking out for all these fucking homeless people in his city, yeah. you know? So it's not that. Like he I could don't, write
1: one check and build a skyscraper to put all the people He's doing things
0: that are good for his business, and that's yeah. it. You know what I'm saying? So so his, his, to me, it doesn't seem that his value, his, his God, right, would not be humanitarian efforts or people being the best they can be it's power he wants to be the most powerful man that there is could be
1: does i'm trying to think and that's he not, got and he that's, got a that's little not in involved. my value system you know he got involved <clears throat> or at least amazon got involved at least a little bit politically with the head tax they donated some money to the campaign against it i think to, it was $25,000 to start you to get it on the to start the petition yeah is what it was which is You know, like I said, it's a chump change for somebody like Jeff Bezos. Absolutely. What is it that keeps that dude going? Is it a power thing or is it just maybe he's one of those people that's just not happy unless he's doing something. And whenever he's doing something, he doesn't feel like it would be worthwhile to do something unless you do it 100% all the way and try to make it a success. And that, of course, pays dividends financially I guess, but, but I, at, I at that know. point,
0: you have to start to define success because you could say that when he started cornering the market in books, yeah. that was success because that's what Amazon was. You could have you know? just propped your feet up right so, then and so walked away. So I also, away. I also don't think that it's you know? success, you know, because that and I guess it could be depending on how he defines it, you know. But then at that point, you would have to success. I don't think would be the value it would be whatever success means to him whatever su- like the definition of that is you know mm-hmm. and if successful to him is to have the largest company on the planet or to be the most powerful man on the planet then it would be power or you know humanity, or providing you could argue if it is to have the largest company cuz then he has the most employees you know then you could argue that maybe part of it is providing for people or caring for them or something like that but you know what i'm saying i'm At pretty that sure point, it's whatever
1: success yeah. would mean to him yeah and there's nobody that can define that except other than for him, Jeff Bezos. Yeah, because I just I really like to stay away from the power idea. Of, yeah, yeah. You know, he wants to be the most powerful man in the world. Maybe, People but want I, that man?
0: People want that. I mean, is, that's there are whole books about how to be a powerful person. You know, how to like use other people's weaknesses to your advantage to get ahead in the world. Like, that's a whole section of literature you know people want that
1: that's a very yeah power is a very powerful emotion yeah it's yeah because the more power you have the more secure in yourself you can be because you have more power over anything else around you exactly you could shape your own future if you had the power to do that exactly and i think that yeah that definitely can't be underestimated i just i guess i feel like that idea of being like a, a power hungry individual, mm-hmm. it could be dangerous because people are imperfect, right? And you know, you know what they say: absolute power corrupts absolutely. Absolutely. If he ever gets, I mean, you really got to watch out for. I think that's why we have such you know suspicions over corporate America as it is, because they do have so much power and control over thousands of people's lives. They control the. The consumer market, they can they control employment on a massive scale. And if they decide to just close up shop one day and say, like, I'm done, I'm liquefying all my assets, good luck to everybody. Hopefully, whoever buys that aspect of the company keeps you around. Otherwise, I'm out. Good luck. Godspeed. Yeah. Could be. But you know, much like many other big questions in our society, we have to just kind of sit and wait and see what happens. I'll be really interested to see what happens. And just looking at Amazon as a company over my lifetime, like you, like you were saying, they started in books and basically put Borders out of. You know, Borders went bankrupt, and then you had to have uh, <clears throat> Barnes and Noble coming to kind of, kind of, completely change their business model and all that stuff. Yeah, and they ended up having to get into the e-reader market and all this stuff by themselves because. Amazon set the trend that that's the way they were going to go. Right. And, yeah, they're, they're going to be, I personally think that in my dystopian future, I kind of am one of those people that if we kind of continue to give corporate America the power that we, they already have and continue to grow and all that, if we don't ever, as a consumer industry, start relying on smaller business and supporting the the, the people that are in your own bubble. Yeah. Just because it's, cheaper to go elsewhere I think you'll have some kind of you'll be in a position to one day where the corporate entities have much more power over things like politics than we really think and next thing you know you'll be in a, a total oligarchy run by corporate you know corporations and stuff like that Yeah, I could see that that's a very like a sci-fi dystopian way to look at things. a pretty reasonable fear to have I wouldn't be surprised if it went there Yeah, Not that that's pop culture (laughs) I don't know how we did that again (sighs) Word But uh, yeah that's what I did last week That's my pop culture (laughs) (laughs) name No that was me
0: I think Uh, I was talking about The Last of Us and shit like that I don't remember exactly Um, But I think that's pretty much It as far as it goes for pop culture Uh, So we can move on to Sports if you like
1: Um, Yeah let's see We need to start recording some cool like little Intros to the different segments. Yeah, throw and, them insert in there. them in there. It'd be
0: fun. So I don't have that much for sports because, like I said, I want to wait till I have somebody else here to talk more about the Mariners. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Mariners were number one in the AL West, and now they are number two because they have had a rough go of it the last couple series. Uh, they played. Let's see. They played like the Angels, the Red Sox, the Yankees, and then the Red Sox again. Uh, yeah, which is super tough. And they got swept by the Angels, I think. Um, no, that's uh, The Mariners won one game in it. No, hmm. oh, no, no, no. Nope, no, the no. Mariners swept the Angels. I'm sorry. I apologize Ooh. to everybody. I'm, sweetie, I'm sweetie. reading this shit wrong. Yeah, <laughs> the Mariners swept the Angels, right? Um, and then Red Sox came in, lost Red Sox, beat the Red Sox, beat the Red Sox, lost the Red Sox. Um, got swept by the Yankees just now. Uh, and then last night I watched them play the Red Sox. That's what I was saying. They lost fourteen to ten. Uh, yeah, Robinson Cano had seven RBIs last night. Is he back in seven. the game now? Uh, that's was this his first game? Uh, no. So I'm not fucking. Not Robinson Cano. Fucking. What am I saying? Nelson Cruz. Nelson Robinson Cruz. Cano. Yeah.
1: Because yeah. Cano is still out for
0: yep. PIDs for f- PEDs. Fifty more games. PEDs. Sixty more games. PEDs Performance enhancing drugs. Yeah. 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 Sorry about that, Nelson Cruz. That's enhancing was, yeah. with an I. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> it's like, a, what? <laughs> uh yeah, so sorry, not uh yeah. So it was Nelson Cruz. Okay. Fucking, Just rocking them in though. 7. 7 last That's awesome. night still. Yeah. Um so that was that was tough to watch. We went to McLeod's last night. Fucking hey, McLeod's. Um, yeah, I got nothing good to say about yeah. that place. So we went there and I so yeah, so I watched that game while I was drinking beers and stuff like that. Uh on the Excuse me. On the NFL front, the Browns signed another, they signed an offensive tackle, growing the team, dog. Uh, They signed Greg Robinson, and he was second overall pick when he got drafted. Um, So, telling you. The Browns are working. Browns are going to be exciting. They're working. They're trying to do real shit out here.
1: My whole fantasy lineup is going to be Browns, Browns, Browns. Browns, Browns,
0: Browns. (laughs) I wouldn't do that, but I'm excited to see what happens with that team. Maybe halfway through the season, there will be more than just one person on the Browns that gets played. That would be Um, nice. Yeah. Jameis Winston, um, he, I guess, looks like it's going to be suspended for like the first three games. Yeah. He had some allegations that came out with, like, an Uber driver that said that he groped her. Um, Oh. And so, I don't know, you know. You have to kind of
1: see what happens with that.
0: Yeah, so, so he violated so – I didn't do that much research into it, admittedly, but I will before Tuesday or by Tuesday, and then I'll talk about it more. So, But the NFL is planning to suspend Jameis Winston for three games um, having to do with the incident. So,
2: hmm.
1: um, I wonder if there's – if they've actually – I mean, has he – yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk about the details yeah. of that later. Because I, I wouldn't necessarily put it past the NFL to impose a punishment like that even if there wasn't any kind of – legal findings necessarily that are found against him or yeah anything like that sometimes the NFL just plays it safe and and just you know imposes their own penalties on people before you know waiting for legal standings and well, stuff and like that
0: cuz yeah that's what happened with like Ezekiel Elliott like he got suspended last year and fought that suspension for so long because nothing legally ever happened to him but they still said that he violated uh the conduct policy by even having you know, allegations of domestic abuse. So
1: mm-hmm. um, it's a safe move on the part of the NFL, I think, because try and
0: clean up the reputation.
1: Yeah, especially because it comes down to if you get somebody that that has some kind of bad allegations put on them, the last thing you want to do as a company as be is be seen, you know, giving them ops normal until maybe they find out. That he is innocent or guilty or what have you, and it's just better to play it safe and keep him in the locker room until the investigations can kind of you know come to a head and you can find out some more facts about the the situation. And so, by putting rules in, like your rule book, like that, it just protects the NFL. I feel yeah from the outside as unfair as it might be it's not necessarily a court of law so you're not innocent until proven guilty because you're just part of the corporation that is the nfl right so they can violate. you can have a weird rule like if you have any kind of allegations leveled against you you get suspended right It's like okay well i signed up for it i guess that's the that's the deal (laughs) so do you have the uh the rankings for the um for baseball up there because you said Mariners fell to yeah, number two, number I was two, just curious who's number one right now. Uh, the Angels, I believe, in the AL West. <sighs> sneaky, um, sneaky Angels. Yeah. So, but
0: it's because of the losses that we took. I think. So, yeah. Oh, let's see. Note the Astros. I'm sorry, we're ab- above the Angels, below the Astros. That's what it is. And the Astros are fucking.
1: Yeah, they've they've out. gone to the World Series the last couple of years. I think that the Astros won the World
0: Series last year. Okay. I Just remember, yeah, there's a lot of the Astros um, in the news. Yeah, I'm sorry to offend anybody. Case Bowls, when you're listening to this, turn around and just tell me that you're fucking ashamed of my lack of knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Because this is, I'm embarrassing myself right now
1: not knowing enough about baseball. There you so. go. And see, one day, we'll get to a point where we can just have Case Bowls hitting that sports talk. Baseball
0: correspondent.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: it's tough. So I apologize to anybody who loves baseball and I don't cover it. And when I do cover it, I do a shitty job at it. So uh, I'll do my best to improve. But you do a lot better than I do. Had to do, you know. Well, I'm not that I don't care about baseball because I
1: do. But the other conversations that we had are much more important to me. Indeed, NFL is my first love. So it's kind of hard to cover as much as we do with any kind of thoroughness. Yeah, is that a word? Thoroughness. I feel like it is. Yeah. Maybe. We'll go with that. When
0: football season comes around, people are going to be disgusted by how much football we <laughs> talk about because college football comes around. I love the Ducks, so we're going to talk all about Ducks football. Hey, when does uh, college ball kickoff? That's pretty sooner pretty than soon, the NFL, I NFL, right? Yeah, yeah. Because um, they've already done like some scrimmages and shit like that, and
1: uniforms are getting put out, so it's got to be yeah, cause pretty soon. Yeah, because football always starts before like the school year, yes. right? And then it continues on into the school year. Then it goes through the fall. Mm-hmm. And then they usually. When's the end of footballs? Is it usually like January, February? Um, professional football is in
0: February. Okay. Um, so we already had a spring game. Um, we already had our spring game. The or the ducks did the ducks. Uh, yeah, and that's. And they lost because the ducks a, suck. right? It's a scrimmage. Uh, <laughs> they just play. They play each other. Uh, okay. But. so the very first one it looks like is Bowling Green. And that's September first, oh.
1: so oh yeah, that's coming up. Yeah, that's actually a little later than I thought it would be, though.
0: Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so they started, and then OTA started in the NFL uh, organized team activities. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of people that have held out from that. Uh, Aaron Donald plays for the Rams. Julio Jones hasn't gone to OTAs. Le'Veon Bell, I don't think, has gone to OTAs. Um, there's lots of people. Earl Thomas hasn't gone yeah, to the OTAs. Our guys uh, haven't either. Yeah, it's they. You know, they want more money. Yeah. Um, so, it's... It is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. It's the nature of the game. Exactly. So, we'll see, you know, what happens with it. I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen with Earl Thomas. I know... I don't know, man. I know... We can't... I had a hard time when Sherman and, and Bennett left, right? That mm-hmm. I just... I understand the reasons that they said
1: that they didn't, but I don't agree. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So... I just wish there was more room for loyalty, yeah. if that's the word. But due to the nature of contracts <laughs> and, and all these agents yeah. that move people around, I, I think the players don't have as much say in it as as they as we all kind of think they do. No, I think a lot of it is you know the agency that they that represents them and the teams. You know, a lot yeah. of it is the
0: management and the
1: teams, the ownership. You know, that they don't want
0: you, you won't be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Des Bryant. You know, Des Bryant yeah. is, like, used he, to be, Because he like, doesn't have a job yet, does he? Nope. Des Bryant still doesn't have a job. Used to oh. be, like, a, you know, was in a, a top five receiver. Definitely, right? And now, he doesn't have a fucking job. I mean, he's he's 29 years old, doesn't have a fucking job, you know? Is it, is it like, a
1: personality thing with him? Is it kind of like he Wants that too much
0: money. Des Bryant wants too much money, mm. right? And he, the last couple of years, hasn't produced because, like, two years ago, maybe three years ago... He, three years ago, he broke his leg like game one. right? Or didn't break his leg. He, he fucked a shit up his ankle or something and was out like mm. most of the year. Game The year after that just didn't produce as much. You know, Tony Romo was out, and so there's all this oh, back and yeah. forth fucking whatever. And so he has to gain some new chemistry with Dak Prescott. And Dak Prescott isn't the type of guy to feed one player. He just spreads the ball around. That's just how he is as a quarterback. So Healthy. So, you know, Des Bryant wasn't being targeted number one all the time so he's not producing number one all the time so Mm. he and he has attitude problems not when he's not the number one all the time so and now he's saying he's recommitting himself to football and you know he's looking at new (laughs) workouts and stuff like that and
1: taking the Washington Post Avenue well a lot of the coaches are saying
0: well you're you're 29 why didn't you do this when you were 26 Mm -hmm. why are you recommitting yourself now that you're arguably tipping on you know The later second, or not the later, but the second half of your career. You know, you're in the later part of your career for an NFL player, and now you're saying you're recommitting yourself. Yeah,
2: that's
0: that's why you don't have a job. You know, people don't care about that; they care about what you've done the last couple of years, and you haven't produced. What have you done for me lately? That's why the Seahawks signed Brandon Marshall for two million dollars because we'll get two million dollars worth of production out of him, and you're not going to get four times the amount of production out of Des Bryant that you're going to get out of Brandon Marshall. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not gonna happen. So yeah. that's that's why we didn't assign Des Bryan, that's why we signed Brandon Marshall. You know? So yeah. it's that's why Des Bryan doesn't have a job, in my opinion. It makes sense.
1: And he's not terrible, but it's, it's not, not it's not necessarily a a guaranteed investment anymore. Exactly. It possibly could be a good investment, but the numbers aren't necessarily there. Exactly. And so now it's a it's a bigger gamble on somebody that is you know, like you said, he's twenty nine years old, and he hasn't put up the numbers lately f- for X Y reason. But what do you, you know? Why are you going to send him a, a big fat contract if you can't statistically prove that it's going to make you money again? Exactly. I could see that. It's w- every time I talk about sports like this, I have to really step outside myself because I can't logically argue any of this because there's so much fucking money in it. I just, none of it makes sense to well, me. when the markets are all so different. You yeah. Know? Like especially it's a microeconomy.
0: Especially when you talk about baseball, you know, and the contracts that they have and stuff like that mm-hmm. because of um, the way that the, like the baseball union is. You know, that's why their contracts yeah. are like that, and that's why they're fully guaranteed, and you can sign
1: a $100 million contract and play one game. I had an epiphany. What? This is the age of cryptocurrency, is it not? Yeah. Let's have every major league sports... Like NFL, you'll have the, I don't know, what's NFL coin, you know, MLB coin, and then all the teams and all this stuff, like they just convert all their money into this stuff. They switch it all over to blockchain, and then they, you know, they sell it off to the investors that want to buy in, blah, 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 and now they have their own cryptocurrency, and now everything is just monopoly NFL money. We throw it around as much as we want. That way I don't have to get so taken aback when we're talking millions and millions and millions of dollars and everybody's mm-hmm. not satisfied they're getting enough and i'm like bro i'd take that two million dollar contract shut up <laughs> if it's all nfl fund money i don't care anymore yeah so there you go wave of the future That's i just solved it. all their problems nfl you can hit me up later and we'll <laughs> talk <laughs> when this gets implemented yeah i coined that shit first on the 23rd of june 2018 yeah you can't steal that from me. The robot that runs the NFL. <laughs> um, what's his name? Good, uh, Roger Goodell. Roger, yeah, Roger Goodell. Fuck Roger Goodell. He's a robot, so yeah. don't hate him too much. So, you know. Word. That's,
0: that's, that's sports. <laughs> yeah, that's sports for this week, I'm pretty sure. Um, the I look forward to the Ducks. I'm wearing a Hawks jersey today. Uh, let's go ahead and let me switch over programs so we can get to the end of this fucking show.
1: I saw a dude that was sporting a... Uh, Uh, Lynch jersey the other day. Really? Yeah. Because I I got a Lynch jersey. It's the only Seahawks jersey I have. But I'll love me some Beast Mode, man. I'll still sport that. Pam told me maybe like a week ago.
0: I walked into work and I said good morning to her and she said, I had a jersey for you. And I said, what? And she said, I had a Marshawn Lynch Raiders jersey that Dave bought and... I think maybe he wore it one time and it was just sitting up and he was just waiting for it. And um, she said, and I had it in my hands and I was going to give it to you. And one of my kids ripped it out of my hand. Said, it <laughs> she said So I am so sorry. And I said, Pam, I totally understand. And she said, I just thought that your mom would have loved that so much. And I said, I would not have given that to my mom. I, was like, <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> most certainly would have kept that for myself. Like I would have told her about it, but then would have told her, and I kept it for myself. Like, that's awesome. This is mine now. Like this is mine. You to have cannot Dave Ellis's Marshawn Lynch Raiders jersey, that's mine. No one gets to have that. I probably would wear one fucking two times. You know, it's that would stay just pristine forever. Like it's not. I was so fucking honored
1: that that's awesome. She even considered giving that to me. That's that's big. Yeah, big. Oh, good old Pam. Pam is a good person. Fucking Pam. Yep. And I love the fact that we're always talking about Dave. Dave is going to live forever through the Salt of the Streets podcast. Because I got a bunch of stuff that Dave gave me, you know, because he was really into Dave archery. He was rad, dude. Yeah. Dave was so fucking rad. He was such rad. a cool dude. And, you know, me and him, we had the whole sailor thing in common because he was ex-Navy. He spent a lot of time out in the sea. Yeah. You know, and then with my sailing background. It, yeah. Just a really good dude. That was, that was a tough time. When we lost him. Yes. Uh, Life is precious. Love who you have when you have them. September is one year, I think. Yeah. I think so. Word. On that pleasant note. Yeah. (laughs) Shout out to Dave. Dave Ellis was cool as
0: fuck. Anybody who listens to this from work knows. The man, the legend. Dave Ellis was cool as fuck. Yeah. So shout out to Dave always. Um, So with that, dog, I think I have one here that we can go with. Um You know, Colin, did you ever, uh, did you ever just go crazy just, like, licking different things in your apartment, like a shoe? Like, I even licked a cat's fanny and, like, nothing worked.
1: I have no words. (laughs) I just, I just picture the
2: star.